Okay, we are on. Welcome to the Backyard Professor Live. I am here with Rebecca Biblioteca. We are going to have a very interesting look at Mormonism like you have never seen it before. So let's get this show on the road. I have the lovely Rebecca Biblioteca in the show. Hello, Rebecca. How you doing tonight? Hello. You know, I haven't seen your promo for a while. That is very dramatic. Oh, I the, like yeah. it. It's, it's almost apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering we're in the last days, that fits pretty good. It's appropriate. Well, I, I do have to show the uh, audience uh, in honor of my one of my very best friends in life now, Radio Free Mormon, I have, ooh, the backyard professor does a strip tease. Yeah, baby. Marvel Comics, look at that. Wow. Right. You wear it well, you wear it well. Oh, thank you. Well, when I showed him, he, he went just like this. He said, oh, nice t-shirt. Can you name them all? <laughs> I'm going, holy yeah. cow, He's break. a little bit of a show off, isn't he? Just oh, to... he is good. Isn't he? Yes. Let's say hi to the crowd real quick. Patty Cake, welcome, Mosia. Liz, hello, Peter Higgs, Tim Rathbone, Gail Capson, you wonderful woman. Hello, Newton Lemnos, Joseph Hawking. It looks like the group is here. Let's get this show on the road. You guys are looking good. Hello, Outer Darkness fellows. Hey, you know what? That's good enough. I'm going to show that. Hold on. You guys got to... Okay, there you go. Hello, Outer Darkness fellows. Newton London. I do believe he's from out of state. And I mean the United States. <laughs> okay. Hey, um, I, I don't have any big news flashes other than the church is in deep caca. We'll get into that here in a little while. What... What I want to do tonight is I've been talking with Rebecca and we had a wonderful time down in Salt Lake a couple weeks ago watching the film, The Return of Elder Pingree. And we sat down and got to gab and chat and we didn't know the camera was on. So we really had a ball, didn't we, Reb? Yeah, that was a problem. I feel like when I thought the camera was off, it was on. And when I felt like it was on, it was off. So it, it was a little confusing. I hope I didn't offend anyone or say anything I wasn't supposed to when I thought the camera was off. So I have to ask you, 
is the camera on right now? <laughs> Just Hold so on. I can understand what's happening. <laughs> uh, it looks like it is. Yeah, I think people. Okay. Okay. All right. I've been warned. Here we go. <laughs> Dan Vogel just showed up. Welcome, Anthony Campbell. Oh, and Radio Free Mormon. Look at this, dude. I've got the shirt on again. Marvel Comics. That's for you, brother. Yeah, baby. Did, yeah. He, hear the part, did he hear the part where I said that he was a show-off? Because if he wasn't here before, I want to restate it, that he's a show-off. A little bit, right? A little bit? RFM is the show-off. A pas excellent. <laughs> And that's good because the rest of us try to take after him. So exactly, yeah, he uh, he absolutely knocked it out of the park at the St. George uh, Thrive. Uh, hey, I, I think he's already posted his talk. I was going to send him some clips that I had, but I never got to it. But anyway, yeah, I heard it was amazing. I heard everybody did such an amazing job. I wish I could have gone next year, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to come next year to it. So, yeah, we are... Uh, Hi, Alessa Galleen. Hola, mes amigos. Hey, I can read Spanish tonight, man. That's impressive. I must have my uh, seer stone out. Oh, oh see, got my seer stone. That's my seer phone. So, did you okay. serve a so, Spanish-speaking mission? Maybe that's why you can no, speak. No, I did not. No, I went did to Missouri, uh, St. Louis. So, ah. yep. So, uh, the announcement. I was able to get up on Thursday with that little blurb. So people knew that you were going to be on so that they would show up. That was a lovely uh, little. Are we talking about the thumbnail that you put out? Okay. Yeah. I, I have a little bit of a, I just wonder why did you choose that exact picture? <laughs> I don't know if any of your viewers saw that exactly, but Friends that I showed that to said, you look like a crazy person. Me, I look like, a, so I just, I think maybe the issue is that guys should never make thumbnails. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I appreciate the attempt. Crazy? I'm calling this hilarious Mormonism. I thought you were, I thought you were just, whoa. Maybe it is a guy thing. I don't know. You're right. You're I don't right. know. Next time I will ask you to make the thumbnail. The one you created, somebody else already grabbed it and made another one. So now I think it's out there. There's nothing we can do. Oh, and I got that off our video clip. So it's genuinely a unique yep. one of you. And that's going yep. around the internet. Absolutely. Yep. No, girls like to be in control of their pictures. They like to use filters. They like to make sure everything's perfect. You know, that's just how it is. And so, and so... If we do, do you like that one better or the far one? Whatever works for your audience, whatever's good. Well, if they could blank out my side, it would be probably better, but I am the host, so they're going to have That's to right. live it a little bit. That's right. Hey, Mosia says he can help me with thumbnails. Yeah, I, I was oh. just I was having fun. And I was thinking, you know, we're going to have so much interesting fun with your story. Your story is so unique it's just so interesting on how you came up through mormonism that i i thought my gosh i'm gonna i'm gonna get you started like starting a chainsaw and then i'm gonna let you take off so here we go just let me talk. is that what you're saying <laughs> you're gonna cut it apart man so well, I was going to say that you and I kind of grow, grew up sort of in similar areas because I grew up in eastern Washington and you grew up in Idaho Falls, I just learned. So and, and around the same era. So I think we have some commonalities there. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah we are. 
We are uh, Westerners to boot. Westerners. Yep, that's exactly yep. it. Nope, that's exactly right. So so we were raised, I think, in a similar era, kind of. I was a child of the 60s, 70s, and early 80s in the church, which if anybody else falls into that category, you know that there was a lot of crazy stuff going on at that time. So I was raised in a very Orthodox family, Mormons, of course, but Mormon Orthodox. If you do you understand what I mean by that term, you probably have an idea of what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, for those of yeah. you who don't get uh, would I be wrong? Yep. No, nope, you're not wrong. And uh, Bircher Society mm -hmm. and Ezra Taft Benson, the book, The Naked Communist was featured prominently um, in my dad's bookcase. I mean, that kind of stuff. Right. I know. Yeah. So, you know, the kind of family where you eat food storage, you know, like I didn't have regular milk until I was like in high school, you know, powdered mm -hmm. milk. I know some people, when I even say the words powdered milk, they're going to kind of get a yuck taste in their mouth, <laughs> you know, homemade clothes, that kind of thing. And no, no television. Like I was very sheltered. Everything that I knew or learned was from church. I could check out media from the ward library which is why I have a vast and useless knowledge of every single Mormon video ever made. <laughs> nice. That could it's be valuable tonight. Johnny yeah, no, Do you oh, remember even, Yes. Oh, even more obscure than that. I mean, the really obscure ones from the 60s. So there's a really awesome site called Hard to Find Mormon Videos, which is curated uh -huh. by Tom Doggett. And he's collected everything on there. Anything you might remember from when you were younger and even beyond that. So I would recommend that to everybody. It's fun to watch those. But I was raised on those. So kind of a skewed view of reality, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Just slightly, ever so slightly. Yep. But the funny thing about how I was raised, I mean, as a post-Mormon, I talked to lots of people who have had shelf-breaking moments. Like you described yours to me the other day, you know, and I, I didn't know about that. And, you know, it was quite a devastating, life-changing moment. Well, I'm a little bit of a different post-Mormon because I never had one of those because I consider that I was always uh, the term PIMO, physically and but mentally out since I was a child. Because I was raised in such a sort of extreme religious environment, I never really bought it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Even as a little kid, it never made sense to me, um, you know, the magical thinking that my parents were kind of promoting. I knew all the weird church history, um, the story of Joseph Smith fighting the punching toad man. That was told at family home evening to me, you know, just as a normal, these things that broke people's shelves, I was raised on them and just never really believed anything. And so then in a sense, people would say, well, then, you know, your story is even more tragic because I stayed in for over five decades. And I, I think about that sometimes and, you know, did the whole gamut, went to BYU, married in the temple, raised my family in the church. And I think when you're raised as a, a young woman in the late 60s, 70s, 80s, I literally didn't know I could leave. I know that sounds really strange. Maybe there's somebody out there that can relate to that. But I really didn't know that I could do anything different until I think I hit 50s. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a grown ass woman. Can I say ass on your show? I hope so. I'm a grown ass woman and I'm just going to go do something different. So I have a very different perspective on, you know, I don't have that shelf breaking moment, but I have loved ones and friends that have had it. And so I certainly do understand and when I kind of got on the other side of Mormonism, decided, okay, I'm, I'm finished with this part, I started to notice that uh, post-Mormons, a little lost maybe, were turning to reading, to trying to, you know, come up with new life philosophies and new ideologies. And my background, um, I got a master's in library science from BYU. 
And I worked at the BYU Library as an employee for over a decade, a decade and a half. And so I thought, you know what? I can do something here for people. I can use my library powers for good. <laughs> and so right. I started oh. I started a book club. I started The Good Book Club um, for Post and Nuance Mormons, where we just kind of read our way into new philosophies. Our theory is sort of, um, now we know what we don't believe, let's figure out what we do believe through reading. And it's a virtual book club. And we've been operating for almost three years with people all over the country. And it's been absolutely fascinating to see people just kind of change and learn and grow and have their eyes open. And we're not just reading Mormon books. We're reading all kinds of books, the things that you never could explore really when you were a Mormon. Like, yes. Hold yes. Up, hold up, hold Are you reading my bookshelf behind me? Are you, <laughs> yeah. Are you telling me that you're reading non-church approved literature? Yeah. Yes, this is what I'm saying is that we're a very decadent, illicit books club and we are reading non-church approved books. No, because think about it. When you're in the church, I mean, sure you read, but what do you read? You read your lesson manual, your your patriarchal blessing, you read your scriptures. You, there's so much. And you're also kind of encouraged to stay away from sources where you might learn that the earth is slightly older than 6,000 years old, you know, things like that. So well, it's been... I got a question for you real quick, Rebecca. Yes. Tim wants to know, did you know Jolene Butler? Do I know Jolene Butler from what context would I know her from? What context, Tim? Write it out. From what I've said, what context? Yeah. He'll he'll get it up. Hey, uh, yeah, that's true. Or Mo, message me personally. So Mo C is saying we need a four-hour Mormon stories episode. Why not uh, a four-hour backyard professor episode? I know. No, I'm doing it right here. This is it. This uh, is my Mormon story. Go. This is all you're gonna see. So. Around, Mo. We're not closing out early tonight. No, you know, I always really? felt I could never do a Mormon stories because I don't have that dramatic shelf-breaking moment. So I kind of felt like you know maybe that's not the place to go. But your program. I Here feel we like are. we can look at things with a little bit of humor, which That's is what I try to do, try to work through things. So, but it has been interesting in the book club to see that at the beginning, a lot of people wanted to read, you know, hard hitting Mormon books, trying to process things. And now, I mean, people do move in and out, but now we vote on categories and they want to read everything. Geology, science. We read an astrophysics book last month, the Neo Degrassi, Degrassi Tyson. Oh, um, we want to read philosophy. We, we're reading Steven Pinker's um, Enlightenment now this month. So okay. we read The Body Keeps the Score last month. I mean, we are reading every topic just to oh, re-educate yourself. We read Buddhism. We read Stoicism. We're just searching. And it's a really good way to explore things just by reading and communicating with other people who are going through the same thing. And we often get the authors to come on with this, which is so funny. We've had some fairly well-known authors because they seem to love our story. Like I'll send an email out that says, hi, we're this little book club. We're recovering Mormons. They're like kind of fascinated by us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, oh, you poor people. Yes, I'll Tim come on says, and talk to you. It says from the BYU library. For, you, you know what? That name, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, I think she was there at that era. Yep, absolutely. I was there until the early 2000s. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, just, just. Yep. Uh, That's what I thought when they asked the question. I'm like, that name sounds like I would know them from the library. 
And Heather obviously has her head on right because she says, I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, it was an awesome conversation. Oh, my gosh. And we take little field trips for those of us. Like I said, we have members all over the country. But for those of us here in Utah, we had a a planetarium presentation at Utah Valley University from a professor. I mean, we just do all kinds of fun stuff, you know, because I think post-Mormons are so curious, like rabidly curious. You know, they want to play catch up really fast and they want to find out, you know, what what they've been missing or what is there to know that they don't know. So I love to be in a position where um, myself and others get to, you know, help people read and form community and, you know, just kind of study yourself into a happy life. What a great idea. I'm definitely going to get involved with that. You just told me. I would love you to. No, we would love to have you come on as a speaker. That would be really fun because we have. As Oh, Uh-oh. hold on. I'm back. I don't know what happened. That was weird. Um, we have a little stupid. Am I what? No, I say you want to have me on as a stupid. It sounds like you said I want to have no. you. On. No, a guest speaker. Not oh, a stu- no, I would never say that. No. However, now that you bring that up, we do have a segment on our show that we call um, for post-Mormon dummies, where we talk about things. We bring guests in to teach us things we don't know. For example, coffee, right? we had a barista come on because we're like, we don't know anything about coffee. I don't know how to order coffee. I go to Starbucks and I say, give my, give me a fettuccino Alfredo. I mean, that's not right. Right. So we had a barista come in and give us a virtual presentation on how to brew coffee, how to make coffee. Yeah, no, I know. Don't laugh. I actually did that oh, once. No, that's so. <laughs> fun. This is part of the reason I wanted you on. That's no, awesome. exactly. And last month we had one about tattoos because it seems like post-Mormons, like they want to kind of make statements. They want to maybe reclaim their body. I don't know how to get a tattoo. That sounds terrifying. So we had a post-Mormon, yeah, tattoo artist come on and she answered all our questions. That was one of the first questions. How much does it freaking hurt? You know, and where does it hurt the most? I want to avoid that place. Exactly. Yep. There's the way I do my tattoo right there. Oh, and it's a heart. That's so nice. Right. Yeah, nope. And we are next month we're having um we're having a bartender come on. It sounds like we're really trying to lead everyone down a terrible path. We're not. What we're trying to do is help people adult because a lot of times you're an adult in the church, but you're not really an adult, right? You can't do all the normal things that an adult would do. So it's just kind of a fun segment that we have that, that we have a lot of fun with. How cool is that? That's spectacular. So you were you were telling me some of your experiences with your family because you you uh, saw Mormonism as weird, not necessarily mm-hmm. true, and yet you never right. had a, a shelf breaking moment. What were mm-hmm. some of those situations where you just kind of went with the flow. You were telling me a couple of them, I can't remember, here a few nights ago, and I was just, I was cackling with laughter. It was so funny how you viewed things as opposed to me. I had to take general conference seriously, and I had to listen to N. Eldon Tanner. I mean, that's like, that's as much fun as paint dry on the wall. Yeah, no, I'm old enough to remember that. Maybe others won't, but yeah, I remember that. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so no, it is funny. Experiences? It is funny to be kind of more on the outside. And I always kind of thought I'm not really a magical thinker. And that that was maybe the problem that I just wasn't a magical thinker. I was extremely pragmatic. Um, my dad tells a story. It's a funny story to him. And I've told this before on other podcasts. But um, when I was maybe four years old, 
um, paying tithing. Tithing was a huge thing in my family. My parents were kind of caught in that windows of heaven era. If you know mm -hmm. what I mean by that, that huge push for tithing and the mystique around the windows of heaven, which is completely fabricated. And so they were just huge proponents of tithing. So even as a little three, four year old, I put money in an envelope. I took it and handed it to the bishop. And my dad said one time I, after we did that, we walked away. He, I said to him, well, how do you know he just doesn't steal it? I feel like he's probably just going to use it for himself, you know? So to my dad, that's a hilarious story. To me, I'm like, way to go, little critical thinker. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about this kind of stuff here. I'm thinking that things may not exactly be what I'm being told they are. So I always kind of felt like I was on the outside looking in, looking at what people were doing. Um, I never understood during testimony meeting or things like that, looking at people at the pulpit, breaking down and crying. I never understood what they were talking about because I never felt anything like that. But again, you just go with the flow. You know, you're in your family and you're just doing that. And I have to say, I grew up in, you know, the era of the late 70s. I think we talked about steak dances where there was actually disco dancing going on. You and I have that in common. Yeah, yeah, with the round ball and you learned that. I mean, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. So of course I hit maybe my first six months was disco and then it turned instantly to like punk. So I had to learn all kinds of, I had to learn to do the worm. But <laughs> Well, I, I tried to imitate John Revolta, or I mean, oh, John Revolta. And I couldn't. But, he was too. I know. Sick. But the point is that, you know, regardless of what you what I thought about the religion, and, and at that point, it wasn't too damaging to me yet. So I was having an awful lot of fun. Because in the 80s, the church was very different. Like the mutual activity was, hey, let's go meet at the river. We're going to go water skiing. It was that kind of thing. It was just fun and friends. And where I grew up, there was a, even though it wasn't Utah, there was a huge pocket of Mormondom there. And we just had a really good time, you know, with road shows and dances. You'd drive all around a tri-state area. You'd hit every dance that you could. And, and it was just a really fun time. And so I didn't give too much thought about anything that might be slightly damaging to me. I mean, of course there were uh, traumatic, you know, interactions with bishops and things like that. But all of us went through those and we would all just kind of laugh together, you know, looking back as an adult now, I have a whole different take on that. Um, but you know, I think we all do. What is my take on that? Oh, I don't think the show is long enough to have my take on all of that. So, <laughs> but, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was a fun time growing up and it wasn't really, and then I went to BYU because I never even thought of doing anything different. I mean, that's what everybody did. And again, I had a good time there with roommates and stuff, but, but there it was much more controlled and I started seeing, Hmm, interesting. I'll give you an example. So when I was a young woman, have you heard of the young women's recognition medallion and the personal progress that they used to have in yeah. the 80s and the 70s? Yeah. So it was basically yeah. the Eagle Scout for girls, except for the merit badges were for painting your nails and curling your hair and stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? You couldn't get out of the program without crocheting a doily. You know, it was that kind of thing. So oh. I. <laughs> Training you for life, I'm telling you. You know now what? But you know what's interesting, Rebecca? I actually, like you, I really had a fun Mormon yes. youth. But yeah, they're not I won't now. deny it. Yep. But they're exactly. not now. since 2000 or so. Yep. The youth in this church don't have anything like what yeah. you were. No, I feel so sorry for, for my kids that have grown up, you know, in the, the yeah. last decade. And, and Pat, there's nothing like, you know, and, and I would try. 
like in my current ward, when I was still active, I would try to hold parties and things like that. Um, I have, you know, DJ equipment. I've got stuff like that. I would try to have Valentine's dances and New Year's, like as a neighborhood kind of a situation to try oh. to give somebody a flavor of it, you know? And I mean, it worked a little bit, but it certainly wasn't happening at the church, which is really sad because I miss those days. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. They've kind of got stodgy yeah. and boring, even in their last I remember yeah. my, I remember uh, several of my Sunday school teachers would take us outside to talk about the creation and we'd walk around the block and see how many yeah. different trees we could identify and all that. Oh yeah. And that was fun Sunday school. That's man. right. You went off site and you know, I was a primary teacher and I tried to do that. I said, we're going to go on a walk guys. And we went outside the building and instantly were met by some of the presidency saying back inside, you know, so I've always been a little rebel in that way. But um, speaking of rebels, so, so the young womanhood's recognition award, which is a medallion that you receive, right? So I worked yeah. on this personal progress, you know, for the four years that I was in the young women's program. And so I completed everything to receive it, but I decided to take a little stand and I, I refused to receive it, the actual medallion. Cause I said, this isn't fair. The boys get to do more. You know, I was a little, you know, a little Norma Ray. I was kind of standing up. How did they react? <laughs> It was, I know, which is really brave for me because I was kind of a shy kid. So I felt good about that until I got to BYU my freshman year and my first Sunday. I had five roommates because I was living in Heritage Halls with, you know, a kitchen area and the five roommates. And we got up and got ready for church. And every one of my roommates proudly put on their medallion. And I was like, crap, I'm never going to get married. What have I done? <laughs> Because I didn't have a medallion, right? I didn't have like that USDA stamp of, you know, she's good. She's they gone through the program. I didn't in, have it. They ingrained in your head BYU was so that you could go get married? Uh, yeah, I don't know why anyone would get that idea. I'm not sure. I didn't. I was very late getting married. I was like 26. So very late. Smart cookie. But yeah. But yeah, so so BYU is kind of an eye-opening experience because as it was a little more locked down, then I started to be able to understand what I really did like or didn't like. You know, it was a little harder to, I had to do a lot of things to kind of wiggle around the system, if that makes sense. But even so, that was still a good, good and fun experience. And, and I have to say, mostly it's the people, just like in high school. It's the people that you're around, you know, the people that are in your wards and your roommates. And that's what makes it really fun. And it makes it, it bearable, even if you have strange experiences while you're there. So, but yeah, so I went to BYU and I did end up getting married at BYU, like you're supposed to do. And that's where I think you, <laughs> I think you and I talked about how I, I've never been a temple going person. I think I've only been yeah, share six, that. six times in my life. This was fascinating. Because every single time I've gone, something extremely strange has happened to me. I mean, funny, disturbing, however you want to look at it, but very strange. And I know I'll say up front, it's just me and my reaction to things. And I think I was, like I said, I was, I was shy. I was kind of a more of a nervous uh, young adult. And I was always terrified to begin with to even go to the temple because back then, you remember, it was, it wasn't even it was so secret. Like you couldn't know anything about it. You couldn't it know was, a single thing. Do you remember that? Five, Yes. And, yep, it was absolutely locked down. The crazy thing for me is I had an experience where, you know, maybe my sixth or seventh time we had gone all the way through the endowment. I was in the Celeste room by myself and uh, one of the temple workers came in and I, I asked him a question. He goes, Oh no, we don't talk about that here. And I go, 
We're in the semester room in the temple. What do you mean we don't talk about it? Where would I'm you? It's like Fight Club. We don't talk about temple. <laughs> That's and funny. Then he said, well, we've got a crowd coming through, so you need to go on out. I'm, yeah. I'm in the temple, dude. I'm in the semester no. room. I have a question and we don't talk. Where can we talk about it? Oh, well, we don't talk about it. No. And they rush you out just like a drive through right? Move on, pull over there mm -hmm. into that stall. You're out of here. Yeah, I've never understood that at all. Not one bit. So when I when I was getting ready to go, I was extremely nervous. I was kind of an extroverted introvert and I was just very nervous because I did not know anything about it. I was actually pretty petrified about it. So when I went through for the first time and it was right before I was going to get married, it was two weeks before, because for girls that don't go on missions, which I did not, um, you usually go right before you're going to get married, at least back in that day. So it was like two weeks prior. And so I went and I took my best friend who was a return missionary and of course took family and friends, but she was the one that was kind of with me, accompanying me, my best friend. And so we get in there and we start the endowment ceremony and the movie, the film starts. And my friend was on a crazy diet, like all of us were back in the early nineties, right? So she was on this total liquid diet. So the movie starts and she whispers to me, she goes, I'm just going to go to the restroom really quick. So does anybody know what happens when somebody gets up and goes to the restroom in the temple? Okay. I didn't either because I'd never been there. So my friend gets up and she quietly walks out. All of a sudden, the movie stops. The curtain closes. The lights go up and two temple workers come and stand in front of the screen with their arms folded. And I'm like, Hello, what is happening? <laughs> and everyone's looking around. Apparently, you can't continue unless everybody's there because you're going through on behalf of someone and that person on the other side needs to be able to see that dang movie. So my friend didn't know that either. She was in the restroom. I'm guessing she was reapplying her lip gloss. She was fixing her hair. I don't know what she was doing, but it was like 15 minutes. I know. And everybody was looking at me because they knew she was with me. And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't consent to any of this. <laughs> so, I have yeah. never had that. I did not realize yeah. what they did. Yeah. And, and I don't know if they do that now, but that was my experience in the early 90s. That is what happened. And she came back in and the temple workers moved aside and the curtain parted and the film started up again. But already it just made me like I was a well, little that bit nervous. Made her embarrassed. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think when she came back in and realized, and then she was like, "Dang, I shouldn't apply that last layer of lip gloss, right? I should have just come right back in." So, anyway, so that was crazy. So then that was my first time in the temple, of the endowment. It was all a blur. Afterwards, of course, where do you go after you've done it? You go to the temple cafeteria, right? I mean, you have to. You have to go down there. It's like a rite of passage. You have to go have lunch. So I go down there with my fiance and we're having lunch and who should show up is his former fiance. Cause everyone at BYU has several fiances. It's just the way it works. And so <laughs> until you find one that sticks, it's that's just the way it is. That's almost like pre almost <laughs> polygamy. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, everyone has, Oh, that's my former fiance. So I'd never met her before. That my husband's like, oh, look, it's my former fiance. Let's go talk to her, you know. So that was the first time I got to meet his former fiance in the temple after being traumatized. By yeah, so so this this was not a good start. But again, I never had the idea, okay, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't want to do this anymore. I never had the idea that, that it was anything I could say no or opt out of. So I never had that idea. So my fiance is like, okay, so let's go back to the temple. Cause now that you've gone, it'll be really fun. 
for us to go together to the temple. And I'm like, okay. As a, as a married couple. No, we are not married yet. This is oh, in the two weeks prior to marriage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was very devout. Anyway, so, and this temple is the spaceship temple. Do you guys know where that is? <laughs> in Provo, the spaceship temple. This okay. is where we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah the spaceship, right next to, yeah, the spaceship yeah. temple. It yep, sure that's is. what we, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> no, my mom, who's a conspiracy theorist, she is convinced that it actually has the power of flight. And in the last days, it's, I think, going to like whirl up into that. I don't know. So, really? It's in a very strange way. Yes. Anyway, so the second time I go back, this is just a few days later. And because the idea is, oh, you got to go, you got to get used to it because everybody could tell I was super traumatized by the first time that I went through. So they're like, no, you just got to keep going. That's what you need to do. You need to numb yourself to it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and again, I will say to everyone out there who loves the temple, this is just me and my personality and my reaction to what was happening there. That's all. It's just just my experience. So the second time I go through and, you know, it's nerve wracking. I'm nervous. I'm worried. I'm scared. No, it's a very claustrophobic. Why are you nervous? Because you're going with you your know, fiance and you've been through. Yeah, but are you really going with your fiance? You're sitting across the room and you never really see them, do you? I mean, you're not. You're pretty much alone. And it's just such a cloistered environment. I just did not. And everything was so white. I just couldn't. And there was no noise. I just, you know, I like, I like more of a party atmosphere. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, it was just too quiet for me. I don't know. So, wow. and also I was just, I also, I think I had performance anxiety. There's so many things that you had to do correctly. I think I was very oh, nervous about oh, that. Do you know what I mean? Motions yeah, I and words and yeah, I was very yeah. nervous about that. So I got up to the final part uh, where they're going to ask you to recite something. And so they had told me when I went through the first time, if you have trouble or you can't remember the words, you can say to any of the matrons or anyone that's there, I'm new and I need help, right? They had told me that. So I'm really nervous. I can't remember what I'm supposed to say. And so I whisper to the person at the veil. I say, I'm new. I need help. Okay. So I don't think that the person could hear. <laughs> I, they might've been 125. I'm not sure. But wh whatever they thought I said, they said, stop everyone. They motioned to, I don't know what it was, would there be security, maybe like an air marshal? Anyway, a person that's in there if someone causes a disturbance. So two people walked over to me and the temple worker said, this woman has said that she's in here without a name. She doesn't have a new name. And somehow she got in here. How did you get in here? And I said, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> now, my fiance had already gone through the veil. He was enjoying the celestial room. He was sitting there calm and quiet, waiting for his lovely fiance to come through the other side. And I am having a complete meltdown because I don't understand what they're asking. They didn't understand what I said. I said, I said, I am just new. I don't know the words to say. I have a name and I'm trying to dig it out of my robe. I go, I don't, I can't find it. It's something like Arabella Harabella from 1543. I don't know. You know, I am literally. <laughs> oh, no. Pardon to anyone really named Arabella Harabella. I'm sorry. But yeah, so they, you know, they stopped me there. It was very traumatic. And again, this is just my experience. Someone else might've laughed that off and thought it was just great. But by the time they finally figured it out, they helped me say the right words and I went through. I literally stumbled through that veil. My fans is like, come sit on this couch. I'm like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> we just ran out the door. It was super traumatic. So, okay, the wedding's still a week and a half away. My fiance's like, oh, come on. 
those are just anomalies. There's no way that, you know, anything like that would happen again. Let's try it again, right? Yeah, I should have known better. So we go again so that I can get used to it because these are just, you know, anomaly of experiences. So we're in the temple and it's before we go into the session. And my fiance says, oh, so you've never really seen what a ceiling room looks like. Because in the 90s, there, unless you went to an open house, which they weren't as frequent because um, there weren't like 500 temples, you couldn't, you didn't really know. So he's like, let's just kind of walk down this hall and I'll show you what a ceiling room looks like because we're going to be sealed in just a week. So I said, okay, that sounds fun. You know, so I'm kind of tiptoeing down the hall and we kind of open a door and we peek in and I can see, you know, the eternity mirrors and everything. And I'm kind of looking all of a sudden, this temple matron throws herself in front of the door and she blocks it with her arms out wide like this. And she goes, what are you doing? And my husband, my fiance says, oh, we, I'm showing my fiance um, the ceiling room because she's, we're going to get married soon. She goes, I know who you are. She goes, you guys are polygamous and you are trying to get into this ceiling room so that you can perform a ceremony in the temple. <laughs> and again, oh. I'm going, my main face in the temple is this. What is happening? <laughs> are so, you serious? She's, she, I, oh, I'm not kidding. I, I would think I'm people out there sure. who went through the temple in the 80s and 90s would corroborate some of this stuff. There was a lot of, and again, these are people you know, in the temple and my personal reaction. So I'm just, I'm just telling you what happened. So yeah, she barred the for, door. For she me, barred the way. For me, and, and I, I promise to my audience, I'm not trying to be crude, but this is a WTF. <laughs> it was insane. I never had anything like, of course I'm a man. I, I don't know. Yeah. If that's no, I think I'm a magnet. I don't know what it is. I'm some kind of magnet. You know, I think someone was sending me a message. Get out of the whole thing altogether. But yeah, she she was insistent that we were polygamous and we were trying to perform a, a marriage ceremony, a sealing ceremony. And so my fiance is like, no, 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 no. Um, I'm literally just showing we'll we'll move along. And so we were able to usher down and I couldn't even I said, I've got to leave. We've got to leave. So we didn't even end up going through the session at that time because I was so traumatized. I actually later found out because because I've become friends with some people who are former AUB members, that's Apostolic United Brethren, that they actually would um, join. War they, they believed in the temple ceremony. And so they actually would go and perform temple. So that was a real thing that that woman was concerned about. But at the time, I had never heard of that. And it was this very... is the first time I've ever heard of man, Utah Mormon. You Utah Mormon, you are weird yeah. people. Yeah, I, I know. And I was a transplant. I don't know. So okay, so this takes us up to the next time I go to the temple, and that's for my actual temple marriage, right? So the everything runs smooth now. Fighting because... day of my life. That's well, right. Right. Okay. Yeah, except for I'm super traumatized, even just driving by a temple and looking at it, my heart starts beating faster. And I'm like, huh. But I remember telling myself, I gotta go in because I gotta do this. I've got to got to do it. And so I was married in LA temple, which is different. You actually have to go through the celestial room or through the, you have to put on temple clothes to go in because all it's kind of set up in a weird way. So, um, we go in, we're, we're going to get sealed. And my sister-in-laws say, Oh, this sealer is amazing because this is where my husband was from. So I didn't know anybody there. We were getting married in his area because he had more family than I did. So my sister-in-law said, oh, the sealer is incredible. He is so good. We're all going to write down, you know, while it's going on, the advice that he gives you guys and everything that he says to you. And I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. 
<laughs> I know it's so trusting. Like this face I'm making, I'm realizing looks like kind of like a, a deer in the headlights. <laughs> that is actually how I felt like the whole time. So, oh, but you're a little wonderful Mormon soon to be wise. I know. You know, it was just cognitive dissonance, I think, in my head. But of course, that word didn't exist back then. So we go in and we're, we're kneeling. We're across the altar. He starts giving the advice. So the first thing that goes wrong is that my name is Rebecca. I have never gone by anything like Becky or Becca or anything like that. I'm Rebecca. So my husband's name is Tom. And he has never gone by anything formal like Thomas or anything like that. So the sealer takes it upon himself to call us Thomas and Becky names that we don't even recognize or know. So I actually question if I was really married because I was married as Becky, <laughs> Becky and Thomas, not names that I even recognize. So he, he, he is calling us by these weird names the whole time, you know, not what we're used to. And then he starts giving the advice, you know, and my sister-in-laws are poised there with their journal. They're ready to write down the advice for us. And so he goes, he goes, Rebecca or Becky, sorry, Becky. He goes, when you're, when your husband comes home at the end of the day, a long day, and he walks in the door, I want you, as he comes in, to take a minute and jangle his keys. And I was like, you are to do what? <laughs> he goes, I want you to touch his, his keys, his car keys, when he comes home, because that way you'll be reminded every day that he has the priesthood keys and that through him and his keys, you too you know, can enjoy that. So yeah, go ahead and jangle those keys. Every time he, he comes said home. That to you before you had been married and sealed. This is the advice over the altar. They give advice. They give a little speech. Yeah. So they're telling you, you None know, that shit happened to me. I, I know I'm telling you, I'm a man. I'm again, again, disclaimer. This is what happened to me personally, and it's my reaction to it. Somebody else might have had these experiences and got. I guess hilarious. my reaction isn't Which, very helpful either. I, I am no. Okay, wow. so my sister-in-laws are like writing this I've down. This too, so. yeah. No, they're writing it down. They're like, okay, jangle the keys. Make sure you jangle his keys whenever he comes home, whatever that means. And <laughs> remember about the priesthood and everything. And so then it's his turn to give my husband some advice. And I'm like, oh, what's this going to be? And he says this. He says, Thomas, some days Becky will be on her period. Can I say that word on your show? That's what he said to me in the temple. And at that point, my sister-in-law's kind of put their pens away. He goes, she might be cranky. She might not be as friendly as she normally is. Oh, oh, I know. No, I no. You can't make this up. And he goes, so just be patient. Be patient with her at that time. And I, I know it's, it's absolutely flabbergasting to me. And this, this guy had been really promoted as this amazing sealer that the family knew. So that was the advice. Be kind to someone during that time of the month. And make sure you dangle the keys. That's what I learned. That's what I, that's what my marital advice was. So there it is. We're married. So by that point, I don't, I will not go back to the temple. My <laughs> husband is like, you do oh, come on. we're newly married. Yeah, no. And this time I kind of put my foot down. I go, I'm, I, I won't go. I'm not going to go through it again. And I said, you know what? I will, if, if a function comes up, I'll attend it, but I'm not going to go through ever again for myself. I just can't take it. And so, so we have a, we're newly married. We have, of course have friends that are getting married. You're in that area where everybody's getting married. So we have a friend. You're young, so. Yeah. Well, no, I'm old. Everybody, you know, everyone else I knew who's 26 already has four or five kids. So I was way behind. So, but that's another story as why I was way behind. Yeah. So we'll hear <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> it's another story. Yeah. So, um, so I decide, okay, a friend is getting married by this time. We're back in Utah, living in an apartment and we're going to attend this friend's marriage. This will be really fun. It's in the Salt Lake temple. So I was on board. I was fine. I was supportive. So my husband and I I've get, gotta say, I've got to say, I, I was fortunate that, uh, I was able to go through the Salt Lake temple just once the, <laughs> this is sad, but I'm an artist. And so the one thing I remember is the murals on the walls are spectacular. Seriously. And isn't it I, sad what's I, happened to those murals, I right? Home and told the Idaho Falls people, have you been to the Salt Lake Temple? And they said, yeah. And yeah. I said, then why don't we redo our stupid looking walls? And it offended them. I said, I'm an artist. Those are gorgeous. I would go to the temple a lot more if you take off these damn cartoons and put something good up. And I got in yeah. trouble for that. So, so anyway, sorry to interrupt you. But yeah. No, no, please interject whenever you want to. So, so we decide um, that we're going to attend this wedding. And that's fine. I mean, I'm a little triggered, a little nervous. But, um, oh, hold on. My dogs are barking for some reason. Oh, dear. Hold oh, on. good puppy. Show I've them. got puppies. Uh-oh. Hey. Uh-oh. Hold on. Let me mute myself for a minute and solve. <laughs> oh, she's yelling at her kids and swearing like crazy. Good for it. <laughs> I love this woman. She's awesome, man. <laughs> okay. I think they're okay. I think they're okay. okay. I don't know. Okay. Maybe they're oh, also yeah. triggered and traumatized by my story, but I don't want to make a lot of noise here. So, right. okay. So we decided we're going to go to the Salt Lake temple and we're going to attend our friends, uh, ceiling. Now, so, how long after you were married? Did this you was decide? maybe like, uh, eight months or so after we were married a year, so we're newlyweds and all of our friends back. are getting married, right. yeah. but I'm so not going back to the temple myself. Like I'm not going to go through a session. Oh, no. oh, I see and, and even, yo, but I'm, I'll, I'll go support, you know, I mean, it took a little talking myself into it, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. So oh. we go to the Salt Lake Temple and we get there a little bit early. We're waiting for other people that we know to arrive. And we sit down on a bench in the lobby. And for those of you that have been to the Salt Lake Temple, there's a men's dressing room side way over here and a women's dressing room side. And then there's just the big lobby area and there are benches all over. So we sat down on a bench that was sort of on the side of where you would enter the women's locker room, but it's in the lobby. It's clearly in the lobby. And so, so we're sitting there and we're sitting there. What? I'm getting a message from above. So anyway, so we're sitting there and suddenly this woman comes over and she says to my new husband, she says, sir, you are going to have to move. And we're like, you know, because we're just sitting there in the lobby waiting. She goes, sir, I have seen you peeping into the women's locker room. I mean, he's sitting with me. I mean, okay, his name is Tom. There may be some precedents there. I don't know. But she, he goes, ma'am, he goes, we're just sitting here waiting for our party to arrive. We're supposed to attend a ceiling. She goes, you are looking into the dressing room. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if you did look in there, really, what would you see? Honestly, <laughs> What would you want to see in there? I don't know. But my poor husband, he's just like, I uh, don't even know what to oh, say. He's had I, his bad experiences in the Yeah, temple. no, I mean, he it rolled off him. But again, I'm like, is there no time when I can set foot in these doors where something that's just, you've got to be kidding, doesn't happen to me, you know? 
So, so we go into another part of the lobby and the only wedding I'd ever been to before is my own. Right. And that was in LA where you had to wear white because you went through the celestial room to go to the wedding. So everybody who attended a wedding, instead of wearing street clothes, they wore the temple white. So that's what I thought we had to do. And my husband thought that too. So we embarrassingly dressed up in the white clothes. And then we showed up in the ceiling room in Salt Lake where everyone else was in street clothes. And we looked like some kind of strange, you know, angel standing in the back. It was super awkward. So at that point, I'm like, okay, I really am done now. I'm not even going to attend events. I can't win. I'm not even going to attend events. It's just over for me. So then flash forward, maybe like six years. Yeah, six years. And one of my sister-in-laws is getting married. And so I'm like, okay, that's going to be really hard not to go. It's just an event. It's going to be fine. And again, this is back in LA now where you have to dress in the temple whites. So I go in the dressing room. I'm triggered and traumatized. I go in there. I throw on the dress. I come out into the ceiling room and everybody kind of goes, you know, and I'm like, what, what is everybody laughing at? And my one sister-in-law comes up to me and she goes, your dress is on backwards. The zipper's in the front. And I'm like, I don't know if you've ever seen Seinfeld, but I'm like, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out completely. And that was just it. I was completely done. So those are my, I, I my temple blown, stories. I am blown away. I, I, I don't even, I, wow. Wow. But you know what? I can kind of, nobody, I feel like I did stand up comedy been, just now about them. So in the, in the dressing room with your dress or anything, yeah, whatever just, it is, what it is. I had help. I had help in the dressing room when no. they said, okay, now, now you want to put your shirt like, like this, no. and this okay, make, make sure all this is right. And, you know, oh, and you want to be sure and do this with that. And here's how to hold your, your hat so that, yep. so that it, it's nice so that you can put it on easy. Here's how you put it on. You want to practice. Yeah, no. And it's funny. I'm just reading a comment here. It's true. I think I was being told you don't belong here. This is not you a place where you should I be. Mean, and wow. yeah, you know, I didn't listen. I kept trying to, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And, and of course not rock the boat. So then later in life, you know, I, even before I completely stepped away from Mormonism, my middle son went on his mission and I did not go to the temple with him. Did and you explain why? I did. I did explain. I said, I've had a lot of temple trauma and it's just not a place where I feel comfortable. I will let you have your day. And, you know, I don't want to bring any of that in, but that was very difficult. And it was a time then when everyone in my family started going, oh, wow. When the mom's not in the temple and your son's going on a mission, you know, that's not good. Um, my husband went and extended family, everybody went and I was just kind of home alone. I was just kind of feeling really conflicted. Then one of my sister-in-laws called me and said, well, come to lunch, you know, and I was kind of nervous thinking, oh, they're just going to treat me. You know, I didn't go to the temple. I mean, that's a huge dividing, right? The wheat from the chaff, I'm divided, right? But to my surprise and happiness, when I went to lunch, everybody, nobody even talked about it or mentioned it. And it was a very nice lunch and it was fine. And so now I've had to do that with two sons who've gone on missions, not be there at the temple. So, but I have to stand by it. You know, you have to do what's best for you. So yeah, it's yeah. a crazy, I don't know. I don't know if anyone can relate to any of that or they just think I'm like a crazy person. But <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I, you're not a crazy person. What is so crazy is how, uh, I mean, how the temple people that are supposed to be in there yeah. to help you have the highest spiritual experience capable 
are such dimwit idiots. Uh, and Training, maybe? Well, and there's also precedence for this. There was a foreshadowing for this. And this has to do with the Idaho Falls Temple when I was a youth, because that was our, our temple district. So we would drive from Easter Washington, you know, a big caravan and, and a bus. The, the kids got to go on a bus and the leaders rode in the station wagons following the bus. And so I showed up at the church when I was 14 to go on my first temple trip. And I tried to get on the bus and they noticed that I had nail polish on my fingers and apparently you can't get into the celestial kingdom with nail polish so they sent me back home to take the nail polish off and by that time i had missed the the party bus and i had to drive with the leaders in the station you know the station wagons where you face backwards yeah that should have <laughs> That was me. That was me following the party bus uh, to I Idaho mean, Falls Temple. Want. You were given the signal, weren't you? Listen, yeah, I did not it. know that about know. nail polish. I did not know yeah. that about nail I polish. I think that's just a subjective. I think it was some leader that said, you know, no nail polish in, you know, when you do baptisms for the dead. I didn't know that either. That so, to me. Wow. Isn't that funny? It is. It's just, again, my own weird experiences. But you're right. I think I was sort of being told this isn't for you. This isn't where you belong. This isn't you maybe. But again, as I say, you know, when you're raised in the church and you're that age, uh, 70s and 80s, you just, I don't know if you really know there's anything else you can do. You don't really understand that. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, that is just blitz. Okay. So, all right. So your temple experience, to put it mildly, was Truly just uninspiring all the way. I, I, <laughs> but it is kind of funny after the fact. I mean, I think I kind of deal with traumatic experiences just by trying to make, see the comedy in it, you know, and kind of forgive my past self or whatever. And, and just you. say, you know what? It's okay. I did the best I could then. And now I can kind of look at it in, in this light. And now so. you're doing the best you can now. And the most powerful right. in the universe is no. You know what? That is a word that you're not really taught as an LDS youth, especially right. young woman at, in a certain era. I know you are now, but back then you really weren't. So that, yeah. that is very prophetic, what you just said. That's absolutely right. The word no is extremely powerful. So you have had sons go on missions. Mm -hmm. Were you out by then? Mm, not with my second son. No, I, I also... so. Uh, people still don't really think I'm out. I'm really good at just kind of playing around the edges. You know what I mean? Like not going to sacrament meeting, but showing up at the end and saying, oh, that talk on the Book of Mormon, that was very, because there's always a talk on the Book of Mormon. Uh, that talk on the Book of Mormon was so inspiring, you know, and then just always hang, I know there's got to be somebody out there that can relate to this kind of way of handling it, you know, and then just always being in primary. So I was always kind of like in the oh. hall, you know, or off in the primary. So I very much, you know, flitted around the edges. And so really, until uh, my youngest son went on a mission, which he's on a mission now, um, and he started going to church alone and started bearing his started bearing his testimony about how his mom wasn't here with it. That's when everybody figured it out. Like, oh, OK. All right. There, she's really not here because otherwise she'd be here with her son. So right, right. That's kind of what happened. 
But but I always enjoyed, you know, I tried to participate in all the cultural parts of the church. I tried to find callings that I considered more community service. For example, since I had all boys, I was the cub mistress for a number of years. You know what I mean? A long time. I loved that calling. It was really fun. Just had a lot of, you know, fun pack meetings and things to put on. I love that, you know, and I consider that more of a community service kind of a thing. And I would be in primary. I would be the primary pianist. So I never... I never wanted to get involved in any of the callings, you know, where you'd have to teach a lesson or make a truth claim or anything like that. So I kind of play one time because of my background in librarianship, they asked me to run a book club for the Release Society. And I thought, okay, that might be interesting, but we could only read books that were biographies or autobiographies of the prophets. So yeah. <laughs> Very, very yeah. expansive literature. Yeah. Oh, yes. I wasn't going to do that. So. Read about a bunch of old dead men. Besides, they can't be important. They're dead prophets. Why study no. them? Why study prophet no. now? And I don't like fiction. So. <laughs> right? So so let me ask you if I can. Uh, do, you, do you find that you... Uh, do you find friction still with your son being on a mission now? Yeah, I mean, that's there. And he yeah, I'm not basically trying to up bad stuff here. I'm just well, you know, you... and, and I try to keep it very private because he's asked me to respect his privacy, you know, because oh, he knows yeah. kind of the things well, that I do. And so, you know, but in general, I can say for sure there's, you know, there's disappointment on on the side of a younger son deciding to serve a mission and getting extremely active. He's been inactive for a long time and now active and starting to understand what it means when your mom is not, you know, quite doing the things that you would do. Oh. But, but, you know, my other son, we're just at a kind of don't ask, don't tell space. And so that's kind of how we are. And, you know, relationships ebb and flow, I think, as you get older, these are young adults. And so in the back of my mind, I always say, call me when you're 40, honestly. <laughs> that's kind of my thought. You know what I mean? You have to meet people where they are and they're very young and they see things very black and white. And so I hold nothing against them as far as what they're doing or if they're saying I can't be around you as much because of this. You know, I do not have the issue yet of grandchildren. I know that is a huge uh, sometimes devastating issue with post-Mormons where faithful children, you know, I know that can be a real hot button. So I don't have that issue yet, but right now I'm in a, in a good place with my kids that are, you know, and oh, all of my extended family is in, I'm pretty, I'm the only one, I think. So everybody's in. Really? How interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. That That's really interesting. So you are probably, you probably have a, some kind of a, a, an ambient pressure that most of the rest of us wouldn't. Being that I live in the heart of the heart of the heart of the bubble of Utah County, of the yeah. bubble of the heart of the, yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm and looking out the window at the temple right now. It's right there. <laughs> but you strike me as someone who is remarkably strong and believes in yourself, and you don't have all these personal doubts and saucy fears that stop you from excelling. I, I was going to, I'm sorry. I was going to read your bio that you sent me. I mean, it's staggering how wonderful of so many things you're doing for others and, and your book club and 
tell me more about what you sent me. I can't even remember where I put the biography. <laughs> I made the whole thing up. It doesn't matter. No, and I'll okay. tell you something interesting. So okay. I, like I said, when I was younger, I was an introverted extrovert. So extremely shy on the inside, yet came across as being, you know, kind of flippant, flamboyant. So when I was an adult at church, I... I was very nervous. I would never give a talk. I was petrified. If I had to give a prayer in sacrament meeting, like to walk up in front of everybody, I would literally write the prayer on a tiny piece of paper because I was so afraid that I would forget. I would just forget. And I would, I would walk up there and I'd kind of, you know, <laughs> and so I, I always thought, oh my gosh, I'm kind of a shy person. I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm not comfortable in front of groups. I'm not comfortable doing this because that's how I was at church. Well, yeah, isn't that interesting? It is. It and is. Uh, so then um, I started, my husband and I, 20 years ago, started a theater program for youth. And I got really involved in that, just like built it from the ground up. It's in its 20th year or 19th year right now. And in that, I had no problem addressing a crowd of parents of over 200 people. I could get right up there. And I started to realize, I don't think that I'm shy. I think that I don't believe or like what I have to talk about at church. If I'm talking in my theater program, I'm passionate about it. I love it. I believe it. I'm behind it. I have absolutely no problem talking about it. And so that's what I found on the other side of Mormonism is I am extremely passionate about everything I do and about helping people and forming community. I have, as you can tell, no problem talking about it. Is this your longest episode I, I ever? Like <laughs> that's an excellent discovery, though. Yeah, it was. Within you. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss, find your passion yeah. and then go with that. Yeah, that was it. I actually literally thought I was really shy because I was terrified to do anything at church, but I was just blocked and tongue tied. And again, I think that my brain was just trying to scream at me or my intuition, just, you've got to do something different. This is not you. And it took me unfortunately, decades to recognize that. But I mean, of course, I think we all know you still have good experiences all along. I mean, on a program like this, maybe you're sharing the crazy stuff. Of course, there's life and everything is, is happening along the way and it, it's fine. But yeah, getting involved, um, starting the book club, being able to help people. And then I recently started a podcast called Mormonish, finding finding Living a Joyful Life on the Other Side of Mormonism, where we talk to people who have gravitated away, or maybe they're nuanced, they're in, they're trying to make a difference from the inside, but they're involved in incredible things on the other side. Like what I found with my theater program, or even just my book club, things like that, where you can really make a difference. And you should be yourself when you're doing that. You know, I was, I was an employee of the BYU library. I started a book club, right? So, I mean, don't try to be somebody you're not on the other side, be who you are, and you'll find people that you can help, you know, that need exactly what you have. Fantastic. See, that's the one thing that, you know, they it's kind of an intimidation tactic, isn't it? The short yeah. well, where will you go? Where will you go? Oh my god. <laughs> it is it's, it's terrifying. It's a dead end sandwich for you and all. Yeah. You know what I've discovered is I mean, especially at Thrive. I went to Thrive St. George, Utah. I'm yes, gonna go to another Thrive here in a couple of weeks. You can actually just be who you are. And it's awesome because everybody else is just who they are. And you can mingle and have a ball, come up to complete strangers and have differences and yet not give a flying flip. You don't have to be wearing the same cologne and the same kind of shoes to get in. You know, you don't have to. 
You don't have to put on any kind of airs. You can just right. be who you are. And I'm telling you, these Exmo communities, mm -hmm. there is something vibrant here. There have is. you noticed that? Yeah, no, there absolutely is. And I recently got involved in Thrive Church in Provo. So this is something that Clint and Jenny Martin have been putting on. And it's kind of a Sunday experience where there's music and there's meditation and there's it's the four M's, music, meditation, message, mingling. So what's been so surprising to me is you have this random group of like 80 people that just like converge on the Provo Mall once a month. And you'd think, uh, you'd think there'd be like some awkwardness or what do we do? Like you said, there's this common ground and everybody right away, boom, just gravitates. Everybody's in a group. Everybody's Me talking. Too. Everybody's found somebody to communicate with. And these conversations are loud and dynamic and people are making connections and they're laughing. And I'm just like, wow, I have never been to an event where it happens like this. Usually you have to have some host get up and go, okay, everybody, let's all say hi to someone we don't know. You know, you have, no, people are just like starved for, no I don't know, friendship or people that understand them right out of the gate. And for the whole night. Yeah, and now, for the whole night. Oh, no yeah. to it. Huh, it's just, no. It's quite eye-opening. I'm just yeah. saying. No, it really is. And I think a lot of people maybe experience what I do. You just, you were never able to be yourself and suddenly you are yourself and you discover all these other people that really seem to like you as yourself and, you know, you like them as their self and it's very authentic. And I think a lot of people are starved for that because sometimes it's very hard to be authentic. Um in a high demand, high control religion or situation, whatever that may be. I don't see Radio Free Mormon in here still. He's probably here just being quiet. Is he, he incognito? During the conversation <laughs> you're sharing with us, but uh, it's like he said, he said, Mormonism, the only religion that makes you fake like you're you or something to that effect. You have to be yeah. fake in yeah. Mormonism, otherwise you don't fit in. Right. Or you may not even know the real you. I mean, I kind of felt that about me. Like I wasn't on purpose trying to be. And oh, I think that's oh, why I, people say, oh, you've, you've changed, you know, or you heard that thing, the light's gone out of your, no, you're just kind of really discovering who you really are. And you may be very different from who they the thought you were. Out of you, you know, you know what my dad's psychology was? He would say, and this was while I was in, because I had some older brothers who weren't. And he would say, have you ever noticed how hard they struggle to make a living? The Lord is not going to bless him. And I said, Dad, you're a barber that's on your feet for 12 hours a day. And you're telling me you have the easy life. I have to rub your freaking feet every night so that you can go to sleep. You know, and he would have me rub his feet because he was so tired and his feet were so sore from standing all day and also mm. it's a perspective, you know, it's, it's a prosperity perspective. I think if you do this, you will be rewarded. I mean, you can't tell me it's not a prosperity gospel. It absolutely mm -hmm. is. And I've never made so much money in my whole life since I quit paying tithing and stopped going to church. That's it. I, that's just honest to goodness. Yeah, I know. That's the way it I know. Is. No, I have to say, not having that pressure. I didn't ever realize how much pressure Sunday was. And you know, the pressure starts on Saturday. Absolutely. That song is not wrong. That Saturday no, is a no, special no. day. It's the day you start getting stressed out for Sunday. Wait, are those the words? Yeah, I think those are the words. Into <laughs> it and so that it makes you feel like, oh, yay, yeah. Saturday's here. I get to work my ass yep. off until 10 o'clock at night. 
No, I know. And and now the possibilities My are endless. My mom did that. Of course, and bless yeah. her heart. She did put up yeah. with five of us boys, and we honor her lavishly now because we survived. So, oh, were you well, in a family of five boys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Wow. So I can relate to your mom. I only had three, but boy, I, I know what it's like to have a bucket of swords in every room. You know what I mean? No Bar Barbie Dream House is just buckets of swords for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is fantastically interesting. Yeah, and feeding them, oh boy. Feeding us was a misery. Yep. Oh, yeah, he says, coincidentally, I've been rubbing someone's feet. <laughs> I rub my own feet. Oh, wow. I would say maybe TMI on that. I'm not sure. This is a family show. This is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just, we'll leave it at that. So, yeah, uh, here, I don't think so. Here, I think you might want to need to block him now. I, I don't think that's... <laughs> LOL. Love Spain. <laughs> so what else do you want to say that is so remarkably interesting about your see um i have a i kind of have a tough time saying that you've had uh a mormon a, a typical mormon life yeah, no, I, it's not it, it's not and that's what makes this so remarkably interesting to the rest of us is we i we man we went through some serious trauma my shelf broke with the book of abraham as yeah. my audience knows and all and we, some of us have gone through real trauma and yet you right. never had to because you you said earlier uh you never had the magical thinking i didn't for some well, reason i'm still stuck with that isn't that <laughs> fascinating in what way do you feel that you're stuck with that I'm hoping that someday the worldwide fast with the pandemics and stuff, I'm hoping someday that'll actually happen. Really? I know it won't, but right. it would be really cool if it did. But you have that but, hope. But it, there, there's this desire that, you know, I really hope the angels do more someday than help us find our stupid lost cart. Because there's so they much. They are so busy with that. Yeah. 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 No, I experienced, I've never until a couple years ago experienced the lost car keys with Mormons scenario at a picnic with extended family and the keys were lost and people were running around and everybody was praying. And then as we went to the parking lot, the keys were on a fence post. And I'm like, of course they were on a fence post. In the parking lot, you drop them. Somebody put them on the post. It's just absolutely logical, but not to any of the other relatives. You well, can my, imagine what they thought. Yeah. <laughs> Three oh, Nephites. No. <laughs> my miracle story at the time was truly a miracle for me when I, I had gone through a divorce. I was behind in child support. I did not understand the concept of child support. I did not real. Um, no one had ever told me this stupid no, shit. You can't not pay that. And, and I got behind. And so, of course, yeah. I really was under the gun. Well, yeah. I had a paycheck. I had $300 in my wallet. That was my child support at that time. I had to have every penny, according to both her lawyer and mine, once a month, no exception. None of this 290 stuff, 300 or more to catch up. Right. We'll no. let you get 300. Well, it's very I went, precise. I went to the mall uh, to help someone do something. 
And then I, I drove home and home was like four and a half, five miles away in the busy heat of the middle of the day where most of the people are at the mall. And I didn't have my wallet in my pocket. And I freaking panicked. Yeah, as you would. Serious. And my mom, I started to cry. I was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I said, I'm doomed, mom. I have to have that money, man. My, I mean, everything was in my wallet. And she goes, okay, look, go back to the mall. I'm going to say a prayer. You'll find your wallet in the mall somewhere. I said, mom, there's a billion people. There's $300 in the wallet. Nobody is going to get me that wallet back. Well, I went right back. As I live, honest, I'll put my arm to the square. <laughs> I got back and the same parking spot that I had parked in was empty. And all of the cars, of course, had exchanged out by then. And I pulled in that lot, opened my door and stepped out. And as I turned around to start walking into the mall, there was my wallet. In the same parking spot where you'd been before. And I picked it up and it had all $300 in it. Okay. So, I mean, was this in Idaho like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that explains it right there I to me. Miracles <laughs> happen in Idaho. <laughs> no, I mean, people, I would say, you know, you're going to have a, a larger LDS uh, contingent there. And, you know, but that, that is an amazing story. I kind of feel like when people are looking for keys, they literally look everywhere. And then when they can't look anywhere else, they pray. Oh, and oh, yeah. then your brain starts working on the problem again. And it's usually the next place that your brain has figured out where it is. So yeah. I don't know. That's kind of how I see it. But yeah. I'm not I'm not discounting that there are unexplainable things that happen because there are. Yeah, I do, I do believe oh, yeah. that. I just Absolutely. don't know if you have to be a member of the Mormon church in order to experience those things. No, so. no. But and from this end, looking back, I can still say fully without any hesitation whatsoever I'm very grateful I had that moment. Yeah. It, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call it a miracle, but I would call it whew, a yeah. breather. <laughs> oh, no, no. Everyone's had panic moments like that. That's terrifying. Absolutely. No. So what, uh, what next in your life would you like to share with us that makes you so fascinating because we've been here an hour 15 and we've it's been a to... long time <laughs> i don't know what else do you want to talk about uh we were talking about um we were talking about some news of the day a little bit earlier i don't know if you want to get into that or sure if we still want to go down memory lane or if we want to uh i don't know i've had quite the day earlier today i was on mormon stories on a podcast where we we were dissecting the widow's might report about church finances. One of our book club members, um, our, I like to call the OG book club members from three years ago, is an accounting professor. And I kind of connected him to Radio Free Mormon, who this morning he was not rubbing feet. He was actually in true form on this podcast, talking very knowledgeably about finance. But so we were talking all about the Widow's Might Report, and we were talking about the SEC ruling and all of that. So, and you told me you had been making some shorts about that too. Yeah, and people are going yeah. litoid crazy on those. And uh, we just heard a brand new update first thing this morning. And I jumped on 
and I think my video has had more views. I, I, I put it in great big bold headlines. People think it's clickbait, but it's not. I, I promise. <laughs> I did not do in this, this case, it's the truth. I know it all sounds it, like clickbait, doesn't it? But it's true. In the Mormon yeah. church where now the leadership, and yeah, it's on the local level, but the bishops themselves are screaming, calling, talking, telling their wards to take a an entire, complete, across-the-board social media break. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, Why it's funny because, yeah, like I said, I was never very vocal about any of my thoughts about the church or there was a couple moments in my past. Uh, one was Prop 8. Do you remember that? Where oh. I was in my Relief Society. This will circle back to your question. I was in sure. my Relief Society and someone came in and they said, okay, Prop 8, California, we need to get all you guys on a bus. We want you to sign up and we want you to drive you down to California from Utah and you guys are going to canvas for Prop 8. And in addition to that, the temple, the LA temple is being attacked because people are protesting the Mormon involvement in Prop 8. So we are going to station people along the road, maybe even kind of sitting in the road to stop people from driving up to the temple. So I'm like, let me get this straight. Really? Get on a bus and you want us to go to California and sit or lay in the road in front of the temple to protect it and then go door to door and tell people how they should vote on Prop 8, you know. And so I'm, I'm kind of laughing to myself. And then I start looking around and everybody's signing up to get on that dang bus. And I was like, hmm, wow. th this, this may not be, these may not be people that are like-minded to me, you know. So I kind of had that thought there. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but I never vocalized anything about it. I just kind of went, oh, I'm not signing up. So, the, the first time that I ever vocally or post, posted something about something that I disagreed with was President Nelson's media fast. Do you remember that? I yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. For the sisters only, right? And, yeah, and I really thought at the time, you don't understand what women use their phone for. It is <laughs> not. Uh, no, I'm running... I'm running a youth theater group from this phone. I, I am, you know, this is my business center. I'm running my business. Women are running their, you're you know, their influences. To, you're they're supposed to be staying home, mom, anyway. Well, I was at home, but I was on my phone. But no, I just, I really took exception to the idea, sort of the idea that, oh, little ladies, you know, stop your little, little, uh, like the gossip on the, on the party line, right? You're eating popcorn, listening to, that is not how women operate. That is not what they use social media for. And I saw it in my ward. People are like, oh no, it's so-and-so's mission farewell. How am I going to get the word out? You know, we use it for communication, information. We use it to make money, livelihood, all of that. It is not just a social thing that you can tell somebody, oh, just stop that. So I really was, you know, irked about that. And I copied and pasted some article, I think it was in the Tribune, where they were sort of taking a harder line on it saying, yeah, this is really interesting. And I remember I posted it on my regular Facebook page. And I had several people go, whoa, Rebecca, that was rough. You know, boy, are you are you harboring some kind of anti, you know, that's the first time anybody had looked at me like, wow, she's got some views, you know, but it was the first thing I felt passionately about. So when yeah. I heard this, that some stakes are sending out these letters again to tell people, yeah. and I, it's not just women, it's anybody, don't 
watch the news, don't be informed, don't develop a point of view, don't read, don't study. You know, of course I thought of the bite model right away, you know, and I yeah. thought of our guest that's coming to thrive, Northern County, Stephen Hassan and cult mind control. And yeah. I'm just like, are you kidding me that this is happening again? So yeah, I was actually really upset if, if that's real. I don't know. I mean, anecdotally, we're hearing about it, that these letters are coming out. It seems like it's on a state to state kind of a basis, but how is that well, going to help anybody? My impression, my impression is now, and and I said so in my video. I was very careful. I'm not. I'm not trying to blow this up into mad wild no. church speculation. It really could be just this bishop of yeah, this. Yeah, it could but be one my person. Impression is there's enough people in his ward who were asking, "What the hell is yeah. going on? You mean the church was fined and they're paying? Look, if I was still active." I'd have went and talked to my bishop, and I'd asked him, what are we paying a fine for as a church? What is that all about? Of course, the bishop doesn't know. Mm -mm, so they don't understand. My impression is, in order to stop all the stuff, okay, but if that's coming from the bottom up, you know that from the bishop, the poor guy who, realistically, he's not going to have a nuanced, understanding of it. So he's going to go ask someone else who the state president. So there's a potential that is coming from higher than the bishop. But even if it's not, his response to this crisis is that he doesn't have answers. Now he he's answers. the inspired father of the ward. <laughs> he has the right for revelation for his ward. If there's any item here that's going to really bug the ward members this has got to be it wouldn't you think yeah i would think so too and i'm sure they'll never make any kind of announcement from the top but they will certainly count on the lower ranks maybe to take care of the individual members that might be confused or a little upset and they'll put them at ease right and they'll calm their fears and they'll take care of it from that level but I don't know, because I keep thinking how conference is coming up and I can't even imagine. I mean, what are your predictions for that? I think maybe what a huge charitable donation to kind of throw people off the scent or what do you feel might happen? I, I just think it's going to I think it actually might be a conference that I watch just because I'm so curious about what's going to happen. Will they address it? What will happen? I, I, I think you and I are kind of thinking a lot alike for, for me personally. This is seriously the conference to watch. Yeah. I don't care if I you're Mormon, but my reasoning for this is that um, can you imagine what the apostles in the 70s are feeling if this SEC document is accurate, and it has to be because it is the SEC, and they did negotiate it with the Mormon Church. Now, now, Bill Rill and Radio Free Mormon did this. John DeLynn yeah. did this. They oh had the expert Mark Pugsley on. I know yeah. now Nemo has also talked about this with another expert. This is not the SEC just making stuff up or just yeah. wording things bad. The church had to agree to the wording and the SEC had to agree to the wording. They had to work it through so that when this printed document came out, both parties said, okay, publish. Well, this document said that the church was fined and it described why and only the presiding bishopric, if I remember correctly, and the Ensign Peak handling 
$37 billion in the stock market only had one financial advisor and he was answerable only to Russell M. Nelson. Yeah. He's the one that told Russell Nelson, and this began with Hinckley, went through It Mon did begin with Hinckley, yep. We're, we're talking over a decade here, man. Oh, yeah. No, decades and decades of deceit. He said, uh, we really do need to be filing this, what is what the SF-13, FS-13, there's a form that they, they have to file mm -hmm. to disclose how much money they have because they passed a certain threshold and mm, more exactly that threshold in Hinckley's day. And when he was told, um, this is not an option. We have to disclose this. He said, Nope, hide it. No. So they began making these fake shell companies and saying the money was in them elsewhere, trying to hide it. And they just made up stupid names for these companies. <laughs> I know. Have you read those names? I keep reading them, trying to figure out, okay, are these puns? Where did these come from? Is this somebody's right? dog's name? What is this? You know? Yeah. I mean, they even, they even, from my understanding, uh, and I think both the programs I watched, the Mormonism Live and John DeLynn's, yes, they so had good. a name for a company that actually someone out there in computer land figured out that that name tied back to Utah. And they were trying mm -hmm. to hide the fact that any right. of this money has any connection to Oh, Utah. yeah. No, they were all in Delaware. Oh, I mean, that's where all the companies were. Yeah. So my point in the conference, can you imagine now that it's out? Now that it's out, you're an apostle or you're one of the 70s and you go, those are my, those are yeah. my leaders. I'm supposed to be in the most spiritual yep. trusted quorum in the universe. I am one of the members of the 12 apostles and they aren't telling me. Can you imagine that? And now general conference is coming up. And all of a sudden, they're they're addressed with the fact that, well, guess what? We got fined and we're paying it. They probably told the 12 and the 70, and we consider this matter closed. Yeah, no, no but I feel like they know now. And that's why I want to watch conference. I feel like, they, will there be anybody that stands up and walks out through the back door? Professor, do you agree that that might happen? It has to, but it has to on the stand with the other leaders, the 12 and the 70. Otherwise, now we know the entire church leadership agrees to the deception. I know. And I think that's why people are so upset. That's I mean, true. I have seen not just, not just the common person, the common post-Mormon. I have seen all the big podcasters, you included, so disappointed by this like beyond anything else that anything anyone has experienced, because I feel at this point you're all saying, and we're all saying they're going to get away with it. I mean, it's, it's so clear. It's so blatant. And yet they are going to get away with it. And it is so disappointing. I think, I think this is just next level. I saw Bill real as he tried to reach out to different apologists and just say, Let's have a dialogue about this. Don't you see this? You know, and these are, I think, fair-minded apologists that usually there is some back and forth. And I think just having that that door shut every single time 
you realize this, this is it. This is the moment where it's just like, nope, party line. That's it. And everybody I think is revealed for who they are and what they think in this situation. And, and unfortunately, I'm kind of, and, and thank you for bringing that angle up because that's going to be my next short on the SEC. Oh. So, no, no, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, and I, no, you have that, to. But, but that is my next angle. I, I was just driving and it, it was sparse traffic. And so everybody got mad at me for recording while I'm driving. And it, You were all, filming while you were driving? Yeah, but my hands are on the wheel. The phone's Don't try this at home. That's I right. Know, I get it. It's all good. But I already have it all pre-recorded, so I'm going to go with it. But That's that so was funny. one of my angles is after it dawned on me, uh, the leadership, you guys, is on trial here. Yeah. I, I'm totally serious. If they, if, and they have to know it. They have to know it. So to know it. it dawned on me. Okay, so, okay, so there's no way. Come on, there's no way the apologists now are not aware of this. Will they sustain the leadership right. still? Or are they going to demonstrate that they also support the deception? And does right. that mean, now, now, literally, just, I know they hate hearing this, but is the church in total in apostasy, you guys? We now big question. are in a position to not in a rancorous way or a way of, ah, <laughs> you guys yeah. are apostate, but no. stone cold serious now. Yeah, that's if what I mean. I think it's gone next level. I think it's gone extremely serious. And I was, I was very curious. How are we all going to do is what that's, the, that's the problem. Yeah, no, that's it. And I was actually very curious um, on my podcast, Mormonish, uh, my co-founder or my, my co-host Landon and well, I, we wanted to figure out what TBMs were saying about this, if they even knew about it and what their justifications were. Oh, you guys have so, been going through the various. Yeah, so what we did, oh, cool. yeah, we kind of data mined various um, faithful subs and media sites. And we kind of came up with, like with 10 different categories that justifications fell into. And we did an episode that we just put out on Friday, which has been our highest watched episode. I mean, we're small. We're just starting. We're like, wow, it, people are interested, you know. But, but yeah, I mean, reasons like, you know, bad legal advice, right? Right? We've heard that a lot. And the church itself has used that. You know, we've yeah. heard things like it's not the church. It's some organization called the EPA. You know, these reasonings, there, there's 10 categories that they all fall into. And I understand why they're doing it. I mean, they're faced with this incredible cognitive dissonance. This evidence is so clear if you take the time to read it. Now, I believe a lot of people haven't. They go to the Deseret News. They go to KSL. And it clearly says we consider this matter closed. I mean, it's right there. And so that's very reassuring. You can just shut your brain off and close it unless you're going to go to some other sources. So it was a really interesting episode to do. But we did find um, there were some people on these different faithful social media sites that were saying, you know what, 
I think there might be something not quite right here. We absolutely found people like that. We found others that were just, uh, you know, creating these excuses that fell into these categories. But some people really were kind of opening their eyes to it. So I don't know what that means. Uh, you know, I don't know if dialogue can be opened or, or people can understand more. But I think this whole thing is unprecedented. I've never seen anything like it. And I've been a church watcher ever since Game of Thrones ended because I had nothing else to do. And so... <laughs> No wonder you and I get along so well, man. I could not stop watching that. I confess, I could not stop watching I know. That's my answer when people say, why can't you leave it alone? Because I'm like, it's just like the Game of Thrones. I mean, there's so much politics and intrigue and blunders and missteps. And why did they do that? And, you know, it's just very interesting to me. I, I uh, co-host sometimes on a program called the Mormon News Roundup. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. It's really fun. Signature Books puts it out, but we kind of go through the news and it's just, it's fascinating when you look at it as a whole, because it's all very interrelated, you know, it, it, it's absolutely fascinating. But this, I think is something that we've never seen anything like it. I think it's going to affect a lot of us in a way that we can't even imagine yet. And I agree with you. Conference if they say nothing, that's a statement. You know, I, I mean, that right there is a huge it statement. It is the so, ultimate S22 I have never seen the church in before. Yep. I, and I hope yep. I'm not misstating that, but really, this is the big one, ma'am. Yes, yep. it is. This it is determines the, big one. the future of the church, in my opinion. Yep. Well, maybe not in our lifetimes, but this no. is a turning point. A turning point. Real. That's a good way to say it. Yep. For real. Yeah. And, and my, my, uh, 30% are active in the church, right? About 30% at, at every world level, day, whatever. <laughs> if only 30% of those 30% really grasp and study this issue, even though they've been told, stay away from all media, don't do anything in the right. media, you must pay attention to the apostles. Oh, you're very frightening. <laughs> Follow the brethren, brethren. Whoa, that's kind of triggering. I wouldn't do that so often. <laughs> but but if if thirty percent don't do that, that's a huge number, man. Yeah, it is a big that, number. That's a million people. That that's a million yeah. people. Yeah, well, and this impacts, like you said, general authorities and apostles. People may be very naive and go, I can't. I mean, look at the shell companies that they formed and how they had 13 church employees. Um signing paperwork, just the signature page, um, saying that they were running companies that these people knew they were not running. So out of That's 13, perjury. it's perjury. So out of these 13 people, and, and as we looked into it, they weren't necessarily, they were church employees, but not necessarily right there with Ensign Peak. They were chosen on the basis of names that were common, small social media presence. So they were flying under the radar. Well, out of those 13, two people said, I can't do that. I will not do that. Two didn't. And they were immediately replaced. It's and not I was they say kept that. Going. Yep. No, and, and what it reminds me of, all this is although this is a horrific example, it reminds me of the Mountain Meadows Massacre, which by the way, I saw a wonderful play on Thursday night about the Mountain Meadows Massacre that I hope makes the rounds because it was awesome in Salt Lake. But part of the Mountain Meadows Massacre that's so horrifying is, you know, a lot of these men didn't want to do what they did. But the battle cry was, do your duty Mormon. That is the phrase that they used for these atrocities. Do your duty, Mormon. And everybody knew what that meant. And I feel that those words have carried through the century. I feel that it's still being used. Do your duty, Mormon. And you know what that is. That's protect the church. 
at all costs, no matter what you have to do, be it perjury, be it, you know, it's, it's not a good situation. The honor and loyalty go to the brethren, not the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Because I, I, I come on, let's, okay. Okay. I will grant just for the sake of the argument, it's very difficult to find a lot of ex-Mormons and I'm not, I'm not trying to incriminate anybody because I'm part of this. In some respects, it's difficult. Let's just face it, guys, girls, ladies, boys, girls, as Bednar says, <laughs> boys and girls. Boys and girls. There's a lot of us who just, we have a tough time just with the historical Jesus, okay? But for the sake of the argument, Let's use the Mormon theology as our basis. That way, we're not just gossiping here, because we're not gossiping, Rebecca, when we say, okay, what did Jesus actually say? We've got the words. Okay, the, I, just work with me. I know they were recorded after he was long dead and all. Did. We've got Jesus's words, his teaching, his gospel. Right. The spirit New of his mission, yes. And the Book of Mormon, and he very openly and specifically said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Yeah. One of the rich young guys came and said, Lord, what do I have to do to gain eternal life? And he ticked off all the things to do, and he said, Okay, good. I'm doing all that. Yeah, hot dang, baby. Here I come. He said, well, the last thing is sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And what did he do? He said, nope, I got to save that for a rainy day, Lord. To use There's the modern, that rainy day word, word again. <laughs> to use the modern Mormon approach. That's yeah. their answer. No, he went away sorrowing. And Jesus turned to the apostles and he said, you really want to follow me? There's your course. You got to give it all away to a specific class of people. Rebecca, when I went to Elder Pingree's movie, yes, I'm so glad. I've been in Salt Lake many times in my life. Yeah. I was horrified at how many thousands yeah. homeless are wandering. No, the problem Wait, is getting so. No, it's so unfortunate. Yeah, underneath both sides of no. the interstate, and these are yeah. big. Big interstates compared to mine I'm used to. Yeah. There were tent cities and cardboard cities. Yeah. All of the homeless. And they're wandering yeah. all over. Every bathroom. It doesn't matter if it's McDonald's. It doesn't matter if it's in Walgreens or whatever. Every bathroom is yeah. locked. And you have to get... Oh, it's really sad. Yeah, it's really... I mean, I've lived in Utah never... since 1984 when I came to BYU. And the problem has just grown incrementally. And in the last couple of years, absolutely exponentially. It, it's it's a tragedy, an absolute tragedy. And guess where you can't find them? <laughs> well, I would say on Temple Square. <laughs> and City Creek Mall. Yeah, and City Creek Mall. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and I'm it's going, a travesty. Okay, okay. now, and, and I get it. I, I appear judgmental by being this way, but nothing pisses me off worse than social injustice. Yeah. And <sighs> He's so mad he can't all talk. Day, <laughs> take a breath, take a breath. <laughs> over the top. They just, doggone it, they are. 
It's a sad comment. Can I ask you this question that I've been trying to ask everybody? And that is, what honestly do you think the money is for? I mean, honestly, it wasn't for COVID. I mean, the you know, the dragon's horde. It was not for COVID, which is the probably the biggest rainy day we'll ever have. They the don't leaders themselves. Yeah, no, the leaders themselves are not living a lavish. I mean, they they live a comfortable lifestyle. But I've not seen President Nelson on a yacht. Wait, I did see a meme about him fishing, but no, it wasn't a yacht. On, and, you see him on jet planes all over the world, though, and he yeah, but still, still proportionally, I don't believe the brethren are getting rich. So I they feel have to get rich. They already are. They just well, no, I I know, but I have a couple theories. I think that um, the upper leadership are businessmen, and I think that wealth and upward trajectory of money um, equals success in the church equals true. You know that may be the way that they gauge it. We're making money. We're true. It is God's church. I also, and maybe you're old enough to remember this, but when I was growing up, there was all this talk about the church needed money because eventually someday. Um, they would save the government and they would save the Constitution. Remember, I was raised by Bircher, uh, Skousen. Yeah, the Constitution was hanging from a thread. So could that possibly be what they're thinking? That they really, I mean, they have more money than a small, small countries right now. Isn't something like that? I just, I, I have to ask everybody, what do you really think that money is for? Or what do I, they think it's for? Maybe that, that's more what I should say. What in their mind do they think it's for? Well, I, I'm not a mind reader, so I can't answer that part of it, but I, we can speculate. Yeah, um, this is all speculation. I, of I, get that, I get that kind of thinking. I, I understand right. why you're going that direction. Right. Um, I would, uh, they are purchasing ridiculous amounts of uh, land in mm -hmm. Florida. And yep. I don't get why that's the choice when Missouri is supposed to be where the temple's going to be, the new Jerusalem. I don't, know. I don't They're kind uh, of backing off that, I feel like. I'm not sure. Florida may be Florida the new. <laughs> Here's the other issue that is so remarkably fascinating is um, they, they don't need your money. I yeah. promise. They if flat out said. If absolutely nobody else pays them a damn dime for the rest of their lives, they still make between four and nine billion yeah. in profit annually. Adam, and I'm just thinking their stock. They they easily, according to Mark Pugsley, they easily have another third, which is another oh, thirty-seven yeah. billion minimum in just real estate. Yeah, no, they're a perpetual motion machine. They can now continue oh, without anything else coming in. In fact, in the incorporation articles for the corporation of the church, there's something called the religious arm of the company. Well, the religious arm is the church. If that ceases to exist, there are contingencies where the corporation will continue, which is really frightening if you think about that. But they they don't need us at all to pay, but they want us to believe that we need them. And that is what they're continuing to perpetuate. Excellent point. Uh, my speculation is that. How was I going to put this? Um, oh, man, it just came in and it just came out. Because <laughs> this was deep because I'm talking you to death. That's why. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is wonderful. This, this. We were talking about the stocks, and we were talking about. Yeah. Yep. They. Oh, uh, it's like Mark Pugsley said. 
the for them to when the government falls and they're going to save the constitution by a thread yes we now have proof in the joseph smith papers i have that particular volume somewhere it's right there is it in here where, probably where not that one probably the first one it might be that one it might or, be in that one it's the shorter squatter thicker one okay okay Any, anyway um the brethren behind closed doors, and I, when I say brethren, I mean all of the upper crust in early Mormonism, anointed and ordained themselves, and this is literal now, kings yeah. over the world. Oh, yeah. So they're not interested in saving the Constitution. That's a sham. That's their cover up, just like the shell company. And I know that. Okay, here we go. Back our <laughs> about, speculating like crazy, and it's all well, BS. It's what if they're trying to set up a theocracy? That they broke every constitutional law doing that behind closed doors, yeah. and they wanted to take over the government, not save right. it. Yeah, and because maybe save was the wrong word. Creative theocracy. Yeah. Right. Much they like Joseph Smith's idea, right? Do you think that the Quorum of the Twelve will all start wearing general outfits with the hat and the braid like Joseph? You, I, I think they, they give might you be outfits kind of in the temple. They'll come up with something, <laughs> I'm sure. Exactly. No, I almost feel like really they believe what they're saying. It is for the second coming. Like, remember the money manager that ran out of the building and said, it's for the second coming. I mean, that was a huge faux pas. You're not supposed to say that out loud, but I think that might actually be the closest thing to the truth. Can I Can I rain on your parade? Ah, go ahead. I'm not convinced at all they believe in the second coming at all. Any more? Uh, yeah, not the higher ups. I'm talking about the lower light. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I thought you were talking about leadership. Yeah. No, I don't think they. I don't think they do. Leadership either. don't even believe in Jesus, and I know. Oh, no. I, I get it. Mormons who you are think watching, it's a Wizard of Oz situation. I, I we need to kind of pull that curtain, and there he is. To offend yep. you with what I say, but let's cut through the bullshit for just a few minutes. If any get real <laughs> of these leaders believed in Jesus Christ and his gospel, there's no way they would be in the position they're in right now because they wouldn't have wanted the mammon. In If the Holy Ghost was actually doing its job, there's no way the church could have ended up where it is right now. They don't believe wow. any of that. To them, it's myth. Why? it makes them a lot of money guys okay. let's open our eyes just a little and let's go to real the brethren don't believe in jesus christ any more than the pope does it's filthy lucre rich that they want it's obvious that's what they worship otherwise they would improve their pr by truly doing a boatload of good with that ridiculous right. size mountain of money that they're sitting with their dead asses on doing nothing except <laughs> making the mountain bigger. Whoa! It's a Scrooge McDuck pile of gold. No, and think about the PR. You wouldn't even need a missionary program if you started curing world... I mean, you everyone Absolutely. would say, the Mormons. Oh my goodness, the Mormons. I want to be a part of that. Well, yeah. What does that tell us, Rebecca? I don't even know They don't anymore. give a damn about their image. They give a damn about sharing how much they have that's what they want to keep protected not the gospel they don't care what jesus said good god they haven't followed him since wilford woodruff you see my point 
Yeah, I do see your point. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people have kind of gone there in their minds, which is why everyone's so frustrated. Not yeah. everyone has verbalized it like you have, but I think that is the logical conclusion that most Everyone of us are arriving at. It. It's, it's time to get to yeah. the rubber meets the road. I yeah. don't believe, wow. I sincerely don't believe anybody in the leadership of the church gives a flip what Jesus said because they want you to be the righteous people, meaning give us the money. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, there is only one meeting that is mandatory to attend once a year when you are a Mormon, and that is a tithing settlement. And we talked about this today on Mormon Stories podcast, yes. talking about the widow's might. You're not called in to ask um, how your home teaching is going like that. You're not called in to ask if you're abusing your children or if you're a kind person or no. if you're fasting or if you're reading your scriptures. You sit or down and they what? say... Are you paying? And so I had an experience. I've shared this so many times. People have probably already heard it, but I worked at BYU and I was newly married. So I was very poor because I worked at BYU and I went to my bishop and I confessed that I was a partial tithe payer. I said, I'm really sorry. We've had a rough, you know, bad year. We're newly married. And he said, you know, he had this look on his face and I, I don't, know to this day why I told him that, because usually I'm very good at just telling people what they want to hear. You learn that in the church, of course. And yeah. this is one of the few times that I was actually honest. I, I don't know why I was, but he said, now you work at BYU. He said, I am going to have to let them know. I am going to have to tell them that your ecclesiastical endorsement is in jeopardy. There's a punishment. You cannot come up with this money. So well, I took a cash advance on my credit card and I paid the tithing, which it probably took me a couple of years to pay. I know it's a horrific story. There are so many touch points. If you want to maintain activity and go to the temple, if you want to have an eternal family, you must continue to pay. So they do not need us or our money, but we or active members need them for the gatekeeper that they are to get into all the. the and yet yeah. the own Book of Mormon says. Jesus Christ is the gatekeeper and he employs no servant there. That's interesting. That's I that's was not aware of that scripture. You think they give a damn about what the Book of Mormon said? That dumb did you just throw that? Whoa, you did not tell me that your program was so volatile. <laughs> throw this stupid thing out of here. We don't care what it says. Should I throw we something? What can I find? Woo! Oh, there you go. Hey, here's my second edition of the temple. <laughs> I'm picking up my dog now. I'm picking up my dog now. Just <laughs> pick up the Bible. The Bible, the Bible. We've got a Bible. I'm tossing hey. it all out. That's all right. Out. Woo. Actually, that felt kind of good, you know, because I think we all have a lot of pent up frustration over this whole SEC thing. I kind of everybody out there start throwing stuff. I am Do sorry it. to put it this way. I promise I don't do this every time. But the church is acting so goddamn stupid and selfish that it's time somebody says, hey, we really don't have to be part of that. But we have to talk about it. I, I'm just I'm just trying to be real, you guys. They can't believe in Jesus and do what they're doing. They that can't happen. So that's my case with them. So I mean, you may be right. They may be using that for the public so that they keep getting the money. But isn't it stupid that they don't just rescind tithing now when you can make six billion? Yeah, Wouldn't that's it be what a I don't understand. PR and Zednar said we don't need it. He came out Why? and said we don't need it, but then he said, but you guys can't afford to not pay it. So Which is, is there part bullshit. of them? 
Well, okay. Are there any of them that actually believe that though? We cannot deny these blessings to these people. Do they believe that? I mean, is that real or is that just lip what service? I don't know. The where you can take a nap in the afternoon instead yeah. of being at work. I mean, come on. I don't know. <laughs> that no, see, that makes me sound rebellious. But like I said, I, I, you know, I'm kind of losing a little control, but I'm trying to make yeah. a point. It's okay to talk social, it through. I think it is. Social injustice is just wrong. Yeah. And this is a social unjust corporation, the way they're acting right now. Now, they can do something about it, but they've been doing this for 10, 12 years. It's habitual now. Yeah. I think so. Is it going to take an angel, and I mean a real one this time, not the fake one, Probably. an angel with a flaming sword to come down and say, knock it off or I'm lopping your head, right? It could happen. However, angels typically don't come down and give advice that helps people. I mean, look historically what angels tell you to do. It's That's never very good. You know, it's not good advice. <laughs> it never works out well. Oh, look at this. I'm getting support from Liz. Preach, BYP. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I promise I'm not this way. But Rebecca is such a wonderful guest because she's so knowledgeable and she's been working through this. And and we, we both kind of see the, I mean, yeah, of course, everybody has differences, but right. really we're, we're at the point to where something must this this must be it's dirty laundry and i hate showing off my dirty laundry too i agree you know i'm not perfect and I'm, I'm not trying to be self-righteous hypocritical judgmental but i'm not holding myself to a higher standard guys the brethren do it is wrong to criticize the brethren even if the criticism is true Right. I don't say that about me. You want to yell at me for swearing? Go ahead. I swore. I apologize if it offends you. That's something else Oaks won't do. But these guys hold themselves to a higher standard. So why is it wrong for Rebecca and I and all of you to also say, okay, we accept that standard, but dang it, you got to live it. And they're not. Yet they still want you to be loyal to them and pay them the money. It's not happening, man. Yeah, for some work. people, it's not happening. Other people, they're not going to think past it. And, you know, that's that's just where they're at. So That's who we're trying to reach and say, folks, just put on your realistic glasses just for a little while. And, and, and I get it. Look, look, there is real fear here, you guys. Yeah. I, I get that. Rebecca gets that. I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. but No, I do there, understand. There, Absolutely. There's genuine fear in Mormons that, if the church isn't what they claim, then where does that leave me and my eternal family? Where I will you go? <laughs> for that. Yep. And I'm trying to share videos where I'm trying to bring in other wisdom traditions, themes and ideas. But for real, this is a real issue. And what makes me mad is the brethren know it's affecting us and they still don't care about you and I. Let's wake up. They don't care about us. And that's aggravating. Gosh, I just blew the whole show, didn't I? No, it's okay. It's it's yeah, a dicey time right now, and there are things to talk about. So they be liking me rant. <laughs> no, it's you in every show. Did you catch Mormonism Live the other night? Good heavens. I mean, you know, that was a riveting program. To, yeah. Oh, oh my god. I was yelling at the screen. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Yeah, no, everybody is kind of coming out and saying what they think and people are so brilliant and and helping us all work through it and understand it. And I love it. It's like you can see everybody kind of rallying around this big issue and everybody putting into it what their expertise is or what their opinions are. And I think if anything, it's kind of bonding the Exmo community a little bit together in a way. Do you feel that way maybe? I mean, I feel that way. A very fair point and my hope, my prayer is that somehow we can help our own brothers and sisters and friends and family to bond together to begin to just say not in rebellion i'm not, I'm not calling for a rebellion I, I promise but you mormons who are watching this or who will watch this let's come to an understanding you have a right to voice your concerns and it's not a criticism against the freaking leaders on a personal basis this is the church it does affect you you need to speak there's nothing disobedient in using your god-given vocal cords and your god-given brains and saying i don't agree with deception you guys so stop it i can't sustain that that does not make you an apostate yes of course the church is going to label you to apostate tell them to go to freaking hell don't accept their label of you I'm, i I'm think just... you need to throw another book right there just for punctuation grab one do it right now. There you I go. Yeah. I love all my books. It'll ruin them. Nothing. Yeah. I love my books too much. I can't throw them. I know. <laughs> yeah. You threw the Book of Mormon. I don't understand. Well, I'm grabbing the Book of Mormon. <laughs> He's ransacking the room. There you go. There you go. Wow. I'm telling you, this episode. Back where you are. No, I, I just, I, I we've got to somehow. Um, it, Mormonism actually subdues us to the point where we don't believe being passionate is spiritual. Isn't that odd, Rebecca? Well, it's kind of like loud laughter, you know, any heightened emotion <laughs> you need to, you know we what I mean? We to do so. Yeah, Finally. no, and now- Noel's talked about that. Exactly, yeah. RFM has a meme that says, RFM making laughter loud again. So, which I think is great. That's exactly it. I love it, yeah. Well, I mean, they they say it's the still small voice and you right. mustn't talk loud or it will offend the Holy Spirit. Well, how gosh damn weak is the Holy Ghost if he's scared of someone raising the voice? Give me a break already. For the love of Sam Walton's stupidity. That is just crazy beans dumb. Let's just label it for what it is. The Holy Ghost can't possibly be that damn sensitive that from a mere human word, he all of a sudden says, oh, the guy swore I got to get out of here. I got to get it. And also, he can't That's stay up thing. after midnight. I never understood that either. Remember? I mean, he's kind of really, a, I don't want to use this word, but no, I'm not going to say the word, but yeah. <laughs> I obeyed that one religiously. I was, oh, a genuine, yeah. I was a genuine virgin when I got married. Yeah, he goes to bed. A genuine virgin. Wow. Like I mean, genuine. Never had it. <laughs> I lived that law. You, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Too much information, but still. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it's tough wow. like this that just drive me crazy now. And as a Mormon, if I'd have still been an apologist, I, I don't know how I'd be responding to this. This one would have caught me kind of like- Yeah, that's a really good question. How Can you even think at all how you might have, re would this have- would this have impacted you at all? Would would have gotten through a little bit? I'm curious. Maybe you can't even think that far back or think how you used to think, but well, I wonder because you know, you're well, you're pragmatic, you're intelligent. I mean, but you think you just would have had your blinders on and not. Well, my wife and I have talked about this quite a bit, and she's she's really truly the brains behind the backyard professor with uh, with, with just being a just. Okay, look at it this way and look at it this way. And here's what I see in you and all. And I mean to confess my sins in public out here to the for to the world to see, honestly, I have never really been a 100 percent fully obedient yes man. I really have been kind of a uh, an individualist somewhat. Right. A critical thinker. Of course. You were an apologist. Yeah. Yeah, but but I tried to obey the mm -hmm. brother. But um, so I, I think it would have impacted me, probably not as bad as the scriptural problem, because I went on the intellectual end of, of spirituality with the scripture. Right. And, and I know there's, believe it or not, there are Mormons who say, oh, that's impossible. Then you didn't have the spirit because you yeah. can't use your brains and have the Holy Ghost guides. How freaking weird must you be, you guys? Wake the hell up! God made your brain, man. Don't let the church struggle. It doesn't make the Holy Ghost angry if you ask him an intellectual prayer for an answer. No, I always used to say that. I'd say, okay, people would say, well, what if it is true and you die and you go up to the, you know, judgment bar? And of course, it's supposed to be God and Jesus and Joseph Smith. Right there, I feel like I'd go, really? I mean, come on, look, really? Really? You know, I feel like I would do that first. But then I would say, I stand by everything I did because you gave me a brain and I used it and you gave oh. it to me. So what else did you expect to have happen? And so that's my out if, you know... That's what I would say. And I stand by that. I did the best I could. And I followed my intellect, my critical thinking and my brain. And I stand by it. Now yep. I feel like I want to throw something after that statement. Right. Throw it, girl. Cyber hug <laughs> to you for thinking correctly. Yeah. If you didn't want me to think, then yeah. you messed up Fine. giving me the brain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The other thing that's so interesting, Rebecca, that every time you throw it out there, I've actually had someone respond this way when i say well didn't nephi say don't trust in the arm of flesh mm. and he go well that didn't mean the prophets oh didn't it well did <laughs> nephi always agree with everything his father said no he interpreted the dream of life differently and he did and he didn't accept his father's doctrinal interpretation did he get excommunicated for thinking differently but the september 6th did in this church today oh yes the september 6th that hey, was Kelly, john delin my dear friend bill real how come these guys are all getting excommunicated for using their brains out? yeah so yeah anyway interesting thought uh, Okay. I, I think we both need naps. I think we need naps now. Gary <laughs> in a straight jacket, RFM is asking. <laughs> no, no, this is not a straight jacket. I am, I am becoming. There it is. This guy. And you don't want to see me big and dreamy. <laughs> 
because I get very angry when I get the Oh, thank you. You wouldn't I, like me when you're oh, angry, right? When I'm, I'm angry. I'm not trying to be unthankful. I'm seeing the people giving super chats and, oh. and, and donations. And thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Your wonderful final son. Thank you so much. I know there's been several people who've who've uh, donated. And I apologize for not acknowledging them. I know all the other talk shows do, but I have been busy throwing my scriptures over at Dallin Oaks over there and Russell Nelson over there. So Too busy to ranting. That's right. I am, but I'm ranting with a purpose because That's I'm right. here. Productive for, ranting. It's okay. I'm here for the common folk. That's right. That's right. I, and this I is an issue. You. This is an issue we need to work through. We absolutely do. And it's yeah. not over yet. So... Oh, it's just beginning. Tim Rathbone, I saw a Mosia. Thank you so much. I, I sincerely, in a calm, sincere manner. Now, let's get back to screaming at the brethren. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I have an earpiece in. Like, it really is oh, shocking. Oh, oh, I know. I know. My wife's, <laughs> wife's going to say, honey, great podcast. I, I, screaming. <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to hear out of this ear tomorrow at work. I'll be like, hello. I'm sorry. What? I feel bad. I, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, if there's anything to rant over, and I did it too, this is it. This is the issue. I'm telling you, the gloves are off in this case. And we've seen this with all the other podcasters. The gloves are off, and people are really saying what they really think for once. Well, and again, here's the church controlling us on our reactions, but we have to. These are our loved ones. Let, let, let's just get real. The leaders of the church are not my loved ones, my family. But I, I have family. I have loved ones. I have dear friends all over the world. This affects us all, man. And unfortunately, it appears to me, correct me if I'm wrong, you might have a different take, and I'd love to hear it sincerely, but it's a negative thing. It's a negative thing because, as you say, you have loved ones and family all over the world, and their money is in a giant dragon's hoard fund, and our money is in there too. And I don't know if people think this through. You're tithing. I mean, there's investment on return, right? Imagine if you had been encouraged 30 years ago to invest on your own 10% of your income, and then as that grew, be able to you know, give to charity and to help people, everybody would benefit. There's no need Why? for this gatekeeper that takes it away from you, holds on to it, doesn't even give it to a charitable purpose and, and you're left. So no, it's absolutely infuriating. So you have every right to throw things and rant because it's egregious. Thank hmm. you. Why doesn't the church teach all of us how to invest the money so that we can all become billionaires. Why would that be such a bad thing? Well, I don't know if you remember or if it was uh, like this when you were younger, but there was definitely an idea that the stock market was gambling or purchasing land was speculating. My parents definitely had that point of view, you know, and I don't think anybody back then realized that the church was starting to get into the stock market. Um, not until I think the rumor that they had invested in Coke, that was a big rumor in the late eighties, but we were definitely, uh, you know, steered away from what they called gambling or speculation. So I know that that impacted families and kept people away from investing at land or the stock market. I absolutely know that that did. And Anecdotally, it did to my own parents. So it is very interesting that now you find out what they've been doing in their portfolio. It's, it's, 
Yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> there you go, my dear. Mosia, one of my favorites. We need more Rebecca in our podcast. <laughs> See, because you are you are funny, you are wonderful, you have you have very interesting experiences. Your your outlook is truly uh, unique, different than I ever had, and yet it's it's refreshing, it's needed, it's uplifting. But they haven't made you into a cookie cutter Mormon, and the rest of us enjoy seeing that. So. Why not celebrate who we really are, like you and I are trying to do tonight? Exactly. And defend all of everyone else who want to do that also. Because they can't make me wear a white shirt and tie on my podcasts. And they can't make you wear a dress on your podcast and not show porn shoulders. I do have porn shoulders. (laughs) The whole idea is an indoctrination ridiculousness porn shoulders well if if you're offended by seeing a woman's shoulders take it up with your creator he's the moron that made them i mean i'm not trying to be blasphemous i'm just saying some of the rules that this stupid church leadership comes up with are just asinine yeah, it's just all about control. Yeah, if you can make a person control their own body and they do it to men and women, then you really have that person under your control if it's gone that far. And that's why I think you see people who are post-Mormons, you know, it's the stereotype, right? Oh, look, she dyed her hair pink or she's wearing porn shoulder. She might have gotten a tattoo I really or a piercing or something. I really believe it's reclaiming what you recognize as your own body. I mean, there's this school of thought that, oh, your body's not yours. It's a temple. It's rented. It's borrowed road. That's very harmful. You know, our bodies belong to us and we need to celebrate that. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating that. Yep. 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 I'm trying to put up a compliment. Good point. BYP. Thank you. Love Satan. <laughs> oh, here's another one. <laughs> Carry in a speedo. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, Is that what happens at the end of the show? Somebody warn me. Is it? I don't, I've only never been on here before. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some people have flashy endings. I mean, it can happen. <laughs> Let's not pretend we did. Come on, I I put on the Marvel T-shirt. Isn't that good enough? Do you have the Marvel T-shirt on? Yeah, this is a good point too. Maven is one of those. Her hair, we love. Maven that. looks fantastic. Yep, absolutely. She is beautiful. Thank you for your kind words, Max. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. You have Rebecca to thank for that. Yes. Yep. Um, Hey, there you go. He could host the next show in a superhero outfit. I'll do it. Cape and all. Cape and all. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't know what superhero. I'm not much of a superhero. I'm much more of a super mouth. But hey, maybe I could. Hey, Rebecca, maybe you could help me design a a backyard professor outfit superhero. Oh, like a backyard professor superhero kind of a character. Like my super weapon could be like a rake or something. Yeah, I actually think maybe a flying book of Mormon, right? That you just kind of, you know, like the magic lasso or something. That's what I'm thinking. You just wind it up and you're like, boom. I've been. I love it. Right, they're everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else would a professor have as a weapon but books, right? So you're just like, I can see it. Oh, I'm going to work on this for you. <laughs> I'm just saying, you you brought up some good points. I wouldn't have thought of. Tim's laughing like crazy. Heather, you're not supposed to say that. She's saying yes. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I think we should all chant. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, the flying. <laughs> no, no, no. Look what Elisa says. The flying, the flying tome, tome of truth. truth. That's great. I love. Don't I make me unleash the flying tome of truth. Right? I can it see is it. This Mr. Is, tome. Oh, this is awesome. This I have the great. best audience, man. This is this. gold. <laughs> oh my gosh, flying book of Mormon. Yes. Yep. And they they're screaming for the red cape. I'm I gotta be a red cape. That's right. Oh oh, look at this, Robert Reagan. You should have a BS shield of wonder. <laughs> I love it. I can see it. You've okay, got the tome of truth, the BS shield of wonder, and you're just yo my. And the and the tome of truth is like a boomerang, right? You throw it, circles back, comes back to you. I can no, see it now. This is I, awesome. Look at what Debbie Donovan saying. Yes, and yes, his weapon, a Jupiter stone, like the Joseph Smith one. Hey, yes. I could deflect I, light rays with it. I am oh, so surprised right? that Radio Free Mormon is not weighing in on this. I mean, he is he just king did. of knowledge Check of superheroes and Check Marvel. Rebecca oh. is brilliant. He just ah, There you go. So, yeah, I just don't get my cape stuck on something. Good point. Okay, Tim. Tim is contributing hard by rolling on the floor, laughing his ass off. <laughs> I feel like all of your viewers are by this point. Honestly, like I my <laughs> my viewers are so dang cool, man. This is why I keep coming back. Good guests like you and my awesome audience, man. Oh heck, too much fun. See, too much fun. We get our age, and we get on this side. And we are allowed to be ourselves yep. and play a little bit. Yep, that's absolutely true. Because people I'm chalk not... it up to like dementia or senility or something. So it's okay when you're over 50, right? So we can do what we want. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it, man. Okay. Okay, here we go. Michael Cobia, if you want an interesting conversation, ask your right-wing TBM if they would share what they had during a disaster. I asked one, they said, you better have your food supply and order the new narr narrish narrative. Narrative, maybe. Yeah, the new narrative. Yeah, you better have your true. You better supply. have it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's one. The super, hey, you know what? We are going to put me together in a super outfit. The super fire extinguisher for gaslighting. I like that. I could carry it on I my back. On your with, back. With my shield of BS blocking. And uh oh, Doug Lyman has a good point, too. And the reason why is because we're all on the naughty list. Yeah, yeah but that's their perspective. We're that's on. So subjective, isn't it? <laughs> I'd much rather be on the naughty list. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's be naughty together. That's how it is. If 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 the church is righteous, then of course we've got to be on the naughty list because exactly. we now see their righteousness is outright. Exactly. How do you word this, right? Ooh. Okay, so uh, <laughs> one more. I'm having too much fun with this. Oh my God, laughing out loud, a fire extinguisher. Really out, oh my God, I love that so much. Okay, the fire extinguisher is in the outfit, I promise. You guys don't believe me. I'm going to put this together and I'm going to show up in an outfit. I'm just, I'm just saying. And Dan Vogel asked a good question. What is wrong? Hey, where is it? Come on, I'm trying to show it, Dan. What is wrong with T-Lester Mormons? Absolutely nothing. Fundamentally nothing. In fact, it's awesome. 
Finally, we're on the right side. We go to hell or the liars do. Ha ha. And I'm, and I'm going to overtake Joseph Smith's idea. I don't care if I go to hell. We, we are going to make a heaven of it. See, from the Mormon perspective right now, we are in hell. Our lives are miserable. We can't be yeah. happy because we're not going to the temple anymore. Right, Rebecca? You need to get back mm. there. Right? So that, that was very triggering. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, so we are in hell right now. We're making a heaven of it. I, I absolutely agree. I think that's our choice to make that kind of environment i don't right. think it's going to be an outside source stamped onto us as an environment we will do what we're doing here we create the environment and yep. let's all be honest right now have we my audience i'm talking to you have not all of us completely enjoyed rebecca on this show <laughs> serious well thank you so much i have to say that you are very easy to talk to and very fun to talk to so it makes it a really awesome experience to be on your show i, I have i have had so much fun i don't want it to stop and, and i just hope that the camera really was on were you really taping because it would be really hard to recreate this entire <laughs> you oh, know we boy. have those issues when we well, don't we know the chat here so i think it is on so yeah, yeah. good 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 and uh, Radio Free Mormon wants to be a superhero too. The Wonder Twins active. Yeah, I would be happy to be a Wonder Size Boy. Size of, that's right. Only us older folks remember that. Super friends, RFM right? UIP, yes, ma'am. Oh, Rebecca needs a costume too. I can't forget that. We, look, we've got Batwoman, Catgirl. It has to be a librarian costume, right? It has to be something like that. Yeah, exactly. But I have a book as a super weapon, so a yeah. librarian can too. Maybe, have to, maybe my superpower is like, shh, and it's this wind that goes out and blows everybody over, right? Because librarians always go, shh. Maybe it's something like that, yeah. We'll work Ooh, on it. I love your imagination. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks all for holding the sanity line. Well, we're trying, but sometimes. No, we're not. No, we're not. Heather, Heather says yes. We're on it. So we have superheroes and super. How do you say a woman hero? Is it heroin? That's a drug. A heroine. Heroine? I've never known how to pronounce that. How do you call a woman a superhero? A superheroess, maybe? Hero S. Hero in hero. Yeah, I don't know. RFM would know. He needs to tell us. He's he would. RFM super genius about all of it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Here we go. Mosia says, "Shushing everyone with truth." Ooh, Ooh. that that <laughs> is good. We both have the like same that. reaction. That's not bad, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> and, and no, I absolutely agree. Heather Reddick, you're right on. She says, don't forget Maven, Bill Real, RFM, yep. and Nuance Ho, Cara. Yeah, yeah. And don't I forget know. John DeLynn and Mike also. And don't forget uh, the the real obnoxious guy that is just so straight. Narrow that down. Narrow that down. <laughs> <laughs> show he's on there every month what's his name i should know it just slipped my mind come on Dang it. i feel like if you show your shirt again like eventually there should be a post-mormon shirt with all the heroes you know what i mean like your shirt there has all the different heroes i think there should be a shirt like that that shows everybody who's you know trying to do their best and and fight the good fight oh what a great idea man mm -hmm. We'll try to put that together. Yeah, any graphic designers out there, get on it. And make Don sure Marshall. you put RFM in the front because 
That's yeah. the only place he's going to be. Yeah. That's correct. I'll, I'll be, I'll be propping him up going. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he has to be in the you front. See yeah, my you face. You'll see my face. Yeah. And, and John Larson, if you ever see this, I do apologize. Yes. That's who I was thinking of. Thank you, Robert Reagan. So guardians of the galaxy. I love it. There we go. We got to have men yep. and women because yep. all humans hold the priesthood in Exmo land. That's right. right? Yeah. And you don't even have to be ordained. It's just natural. It comes from within. Guardians within. See, that might work. Oh, I like that too. That's a good one. No, I I agree with this too. Good point, George Washington. Hey, Duke, I want Dan Vogel, the making of a superhero. Dan Vogel has to be in the superhero. No question. And we could have uh, our first assignment of taking on the fair apologists with Daniel C. Peterson and Lou Midgley as their, as their, uh, what do you call those? The, the animals. Minions. That, well, that too. Yeah. Underlings. Underlings. <laughs> well, this Slaying. is going to be an epic battle. Like seriously, yes. I can see it now. And we got to have Nemo. I agree. We got to yeah, have for Nemo. sure. Nemo. You know what? We really do have a whole super band of heroes, man. I'm telling you, you do. You absolutely do. And you stop and think it. Everybody has their special gifts. I mean, you know, not even imaginary gifts, but they, their real talents and the ways that they can reach people. And everyone's so wonderfully supportive. They are superheroes. They really are. Yeah. Well, you and Maven is the women. Uh, Lila Tuller has come come along, and yeah. Bill Real's wife, Amanda. Lindsay, she I would say Lindsay mama. for sure. Yeah. Uh, who else? I don't want to skip out any of you ladies. No. Please, every lady in my audience is a superhero. Right. My book, I just can't name y'all, but absolutely. Well, what and about I, Sandra Tanner? I mean, the OG of the superheroes. Like, okay, Raphim is not in the center. Sandra Tanner is in the center because nobody would be who they were without her and Gerald. So there you go. I agree. Sorry, you're I, relegated RFM. And I have been knighted, so I actually do get to stand by her side. You she have been knighted by Sandra ordained. Tanner. That's right. You are her representative RFM, here on Earth. You can be on the left-hand side. I'll be on the right. <laughs> Sorry, that's what a night gets. So I know you deserve the right hand side, but brother, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm just saying. RFM I and love I this. will both stand on each of Sandra's shoulders because oh, that's like why we're good so and evil, kind of tempting. Or I wish somebody out there could draw this. This would actually be an amazing poster or piece of artwork. Can, can you? I'm an artist. Yes. Well, I okay. Mean, I will. I there will. you go. It, just, just do me a favor. If you do draw me in here, don't use that picture that you used on my thumbnail. <laughs> I, I promise. That was a fun one to figure out. I that actually, was a fun one. Yeah. I actually went through our video until I got to it. Then I really? It. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that makes it even more duplicitous. <laughs> okay, I owe you one. I'll, I'll, you do I'll, owe me. You owe I, me a copy of this poster. This is going to be incredible if you put this out. I love it. All right. I, I absolutely agree. I got dibs on the left shoulder, my friend, RFM. Says, <laughs> okay, left shoulder is yours, my friend. Absolutely. Okay, Sandra Tanner. Oh, this is a good point. I, I'm going to have to draw it that way, too. They say Sandra Tanner is the archangel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's correct. Yeah, I believe that. Well, Sia says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, we, yeah, I'll, I'll make that poster. I, I will. 
uh, I would love to. So, guys, as much fun as we're having, sincerely, we we truly have. Uh, we we've had a ball. We do really love and appreciate all of you showing up. And again, Rebecca, please come back on my show sometime. I I yeah. just I love. I'd be happy to. I had so much fun. Oh, I love your insights, your wisdom, your wit, your knowledge. This is everything that a podcaster wants in a guest. I I just really appreciate you coming on, and we are going to call it a night, you guys. And thank you so much for being the spectacular audience that you always are. We do appreciate your support. Honest. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. And we are putting the money to good use. We are not hoarding it for a rainy day. I promise. Just keep watching our podcast. We work our butts off for you because we do love you. Yeah, I know the brethren say that, but we're giving you back your money's worth. We're not giving you fifth grade knowledge. You start watching Rebecca's podcast and Radio Free Mormons and mine and and Nemo's and John DeLynn's and all of them. And you can see we are really working hard and we are enjoying it. So it's all for the good things. So thank you all. We're going to head out. We do appreciate you. We will be back soon. In the meantime, remember, have fun, do well, work hard, make lots of friends, smile. It makes people wonder what you're doing. And if you ever need to work off steam, throw a book of Mormon. Mm -hmm.